2: Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. My name is Rockin' Randall Flagburn, and today we are here to discuss episode two of CBS All Access's The Stand, starring Whoopi Goldberg. (laughs) (laughs) The titular uh, character. The titular character, she plays The Stand. Um, (laughs) Very, very excited. Very excited to discuss episode two. Uh, we rang in this last week with uh, with our episode one review. Um, I think it was it was kind of in, it was kind of sweet. I feel like we were a lot on the same page with which, with our listeners. We uh, we're all just so fucking smart, you know. We just no, get it, man. We're brainiacs. So, we're brainiacs. Uh, so I think we would all, we would all be. I think we would all have the touch of God on us. We would not succumb to the uh, Captain Trips. Um, Everyone on this podcast.
3: (laughs) So what you think, just because we know a lot about The Stand we're, we're yeah. good we're good to go yeah. we got an immunity all right i'm all we got in. immunity
2: uh who is that who is that uh uh who was just talking introduce yourself
3: well i'm glad you asked because this is michael glenn <laughs> bateman not to be confused with the photo that randall colburn always shares every time i talk about him rothman <laughs> i think that's a long nickname but i'm hoping it sticks uh
2: <laughs> i i think yeah i with the exact same phrasing every time yeah oh, uh God. Mike, are you excited to talk about episode two of The Stand?
3: You know, I I got a a pocket full of kryptonite because this episode is a pocket savior. So um, (laughs) I'm very excited to talk about episode two of The Stand on CBS All Access.
2: We've got a new Gerber on this episode as opposed to a different Gerber on the last one. Who is the Gerber on this episode? Say hello.
0: That's right. This is your crazy ex-roommate Wayne, the Wolfman, Mac Gerber. (laughs) And I'm extre- I'm very excited. This is my first uh foray into the the new stands mini series, so I'm excited to talk about it with y'all and uh and uh and maybe we'll throw on some uh Island in the sun randomly too. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh
2: great God. needle drop. Uh <laughs> Mac, what did you you weren't on last week's episode, so what did you think about the first episode? In a, a pocket savior sort of uh recap here. <laughs> you
0: nice. know, I thought it was I thought it was tight. I liked it. I thought it was good. I I was surprised at how much I liked it. I think, you know, I I had dropped my bar pretty low just because I just had no clue what to expect. Um, But it didn't bother me. I thought it jumped around a little bit too much, I thought. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think as a fan and someone that's read the book, it was easier for me to follow. I know that you all talked about that a bit uh, in the last episode. But – I thought there was just enough new things that they did with it to keep me guessing and keep me invested, and it wasn't just like I was rewatching the old miniseries. So, I I was on board with this new take. Cool. And
2: then who else is joining us? Say hello.
4: This is Jen. Just pretend we're Ninja Turtles. Adams and <laughs> I have some thoughts about this episode.
2: <laughs> Very excited to hear them. Uh, <laughs> we are going to kick things off with our tailor made for this. Series of episodes uh, section. It is called The Road So Far. I love the sound cue that you have for this section, Mike. It's very good.
3: Hey, it's a a good reference to uh, one of my favorite shows, Supernatural, formerly on The CW. Uh, Not to be confused with CBS All Access. Access. The road so far
2: is basically... It's basically a section. No, it's fine. It's basically a section where we talk about the episode as a whole, uh, some themes we might have seen. We're going to kind of run through various plot lines, talk about what worked, what didn't, before we move on to the more nitty gritty of the episode. So, um, yeah, so let's just kick it off. Uh, The episode begins with... In similar fashion to uh, Episode One, only we've got uh, Larry Underwood, played by uh, Jovan Adepo, and he is in a sporting goods store with Nadine, played by Amber Heard, and Little Joe, played by the Guitar Boy—that uh, is his name. <laughs> Little and, Joe. Um, Little Joe. Little Joe. And uh, so this was an interesting intro, I thought, because we basically don't know who these people are. Um, I thought the idea mm-hmm. of like cooking a steak in in the sporting store was kind of a neat intro like just Mm -hmm. yeah that is something you would do you know if um everything was empty and you needed to eat um and i wish he had a little chef hat on like um adam stork (laughs) in the 94 miniseries but but yeah so he's with nadine and clearly they're on the road to boulder they're on their way there and um Uh, We see that Nadine has a black stone with her, but we don't know what that is, Mm. but it has ominous intentions. Actually, no, we do kind of know because episode one ended with Harold giving or getting one of those. So there is that aspect of it. And then we see them arrive at the Boulder Free Zone. Stu says, uh, welcome to the Boulder Free Zone. Um, That was in the trailer. So it's kind of imprinted in my head. I think it was a cool intro to
3: how they, you know, they show who this person is that we've been watching this entire time because he's just like, I take it you're Larry Underwood. And he, you know, Joven Adepa just does this, like, sort of, like, doesn't really nod, but it's, like, mm-hmm. this sort of nuance, like, yeah, that's me. Like, without yeah. saying
2: it. <laughs> yeah, it's a neat moment, um, but it also feels like it's tailor-made for the fans because oh, it's, 100%. like, you're Larry Underwood, and it's, like, yeah. boom, like, title card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, we like, the passerby
3: Larry. who's maybe just being, you know, they, maybe someone got CBS All Access because they love SEALs um, <laughs> was just, like, hey, I want to check out this, well, this stand who's this Larry Underwood guy? Like, <laughs> I don't think it would have felt as for as much for the fans if he if,
0: if didn't look at the camera and wink when they, when they introduced him. That's me. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, so then, yeah, Stu greets them. We see them in the car. Uh, oh, wait, actually, before we get there, we flash back and we see a little bit of... of uh, a rock star, Larry, and I was really looking forward to this um, because we don't get a lot of it in the '94 miniseries either, and we only get a little bit of it, like in the book Give too. A little but taste. Yeah, just the <laughs> idea of like Larry as a rock star. Uh-huh. Like I, I always wanted to see more of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of love that we get to. Um, he's backstage. He's all riled up. He's kind of an asshole. Uh, his band is all sick, and he he's the one who's fine, uh, and he so he doesn't think it's a big deal. And then he's got sort of this uh, meager crowd. When he goes out, which I thought was kind of interesting because he's kind of like, oh, uh, the real New Yorker, New Yorkers, a couple of sniffles won't stop you, you know. So So, I have a question uh, on
3: that, Randall, because you're one of the last people I know that actually went to a concert during a pandemic. Um, Mm. because if you recall one of the last episodes that we recorded together in person, which I believe was sleepwalkers. Um, but, (laughs) uh, sadly, (laughs) but I remember us going to D'Agostino's that night, which is a pizza corner, a a pizza shop around the corner. And, um, You were going to a concert that night. So I wondered, was this experience with Larry with the coughing and everyone's like, oh, I'm so glad you couldn't, you know, you came out here, even though, you know, you know, regardless of a bunch of sniffles, was that similar to your experience when you were at the concert when the pandemic was just starting?
2: A little bit, honestly, like that night is so vivid for me because literally, you know, we recorded the Sleepwalkers episode and then uh, we went to D'Agostino's and while we were at D'Agostino's, the Tom... Tom Hanks got coronavirus news dropped and the NBA season being canceled dropped. And that's when for a lot of people, that was the night it got real. Yeah. And that's the night it got real for me in a lot of ways too. And, um, and so I, I, then I literally walked from D'Agostino's to a concert and it was a band called GLADI, G-L-A-D-I-E. They're very good. But it was, it was an interesting night because it was kind of settling in for everybody. And this, it was the last stop of their tour, so they weren't going to have to cancel. But they said like, they said on stage, they're like, well, we're happy that, you know, this is ending um, or not ending, our tour is ending. So it's because they were like, this seems like it's going to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> and we were all like in the audience, just like. Just like man, what are we on the verge of? And um, yeah, that was my last night seeing a concert or really going indoors anywhere for a very, very long time. That's and all so, I could think about when I was. But Randall, watching did
0: album. you? Yeah, did you confront the lead singer and <laughs> say that you were in fact responsible for Gladys' fame?
2: Uh, no, but my friend Wayne Stuckey did, and mm. oh. he. So yeah, I thought. Is that his last name in this? Yeah, well, it's his name in the book. I don't know if they say it in the show. (laughs) No, they do. They do. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I just I always remember that name. Uh, in in the book, Wayne Stukey is uh, he's not he's not like a plagiarism accuser like he is here. He's more of a guy who, who played in Larry's band and is the one who kind of tells him the lifestyle you're living. This this like, you know, cocaine uh, and babes lifestyle is, isn't gonna, you know, you can't really sustain yourself on the amount of money you're going to make right now. So, um, so yeah, but here he's sort of reimagined as a former roommate and potential plagiarism accuser. And I actually, or not potentially he's yeah. plagiarism accuser. So, uh, so I actually would love a little bit later to talk about whether or not we do think. Larry uh, stole the song Mm. Um, so but he kind of interrupts this concert and uh, yeah and we kind of just get this glimpse of Larry is kind of you know, not like, um, he's just somebody who's a little bit reckless and maybe a little bit brusque. Uh, somebody who, you know, clearly not taking things all that seriously. Um, he yeah. ain't no
4: nice guy.
2: He ain't no nice guy, which, uh, yeah, and we do kind of follow that plot line. Um, you know, that's a, although, I don't know, that, that scene felt so rushed, like her getting mad yes. at him for leaving. <laughs> yes. nope. I don't know.
4: But That's uh, an overall problem with the episode
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll talk yeah. more about that <laughs> But then Because kind when you of...
3: chart out like Everything he does, it's a lot
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. like just to it's Keep, all, like all just the in place. the first half of the episode We see, um, you know Larry wakes up, he's had this, well his mom Is at the concert, and then yeah. he, mm-hmm. he Goes and he has this one night stand Wakes up, and then finds out his mom is in the Hospital, and goes there, and so like within the sp- Span of like 12 hours maybe Like his, his mom's gone full tube neck in the hospital mm-hmm. yeah. and she, and so he visits her there. He takes her back to her place. And then in a, in a crazy scene, Wayne Stukey shows up sick as hell. Also a yeah. tube neck uh, with a mm-hmm. gun. And Larry um, basically like lets him die out there, takes the gun away from him and try, and then basically steals all of his drugs. <laughs> so, <Yeah.
1: laughs> so we've
2: got a pretty unsavory Larry in this early, which I like. Cause you know, the arc needs to be I there. We need to see him change, you know, as it yeah. goes on. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then should we, should we talk more, should we like head into the Rita stuff now or should we, um, move with the yeah, chronology I mean, I think that o- the episode does?
3: I think overall, like, I, I think maybe we tr- we've finished the trajectories of each character, I guess. Yeah, and that's smart. Go into hmm. the, and then we could get, then we could go drill into like the actual descriptions of the, or like yeah, the actual yeah. little bits and pieces of the characters. So
2: yeah, after Larry's mom dies, basically, uh, we we kind of see Larry uh, in Central Park, and we this very familiar scene from the book. Uh, it even has the moment where the man in the hospital gown co- shows up and says that he's gonna jerk off on Yankee Stadium, which is directly mm-hmm. from the book. um and then mm-hmm. uh, and then he meets up with Rita. Um, who is, you know, impeccable in white, Uh, and the scene plays out very similar to how it does in the book with um, her sort of showing off her gun, they kind of get along very swimmingly together, um, and... And then they sort of have this uh, night of romance in um, in in her apartment. Sent to so the sultry sounds, sounds of, of vanilla Sigouros. Sigouros. <laughs> Sigouros.
0: playing. So that. what do we
2: think about how the Larry plotline kind of unfolds, you know, and sort of, it, it's pretty true to the book in a lot of ways, but it's also um, abbreviated and, you mm-hmm. know, how do we feel about that first meeting with Rita and just the general thought of her being included in this episode?
3: I have a, I have a thing with, that pretty much sums up the brevity of their relationship. He walks up, they exchange maybe two sentences, and within a span of maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds, she's like, you know, I really like your, your, your you know, I like being in your presence. You're, you have a soothing se- presence or whatever. I'm like, wait a second, it's been, 30, it's been less than a minute. Like, you're, you're jumping to that conclusion already? Like that. So for me, like that seems like a perfect encapsulation of this entire relationship. Um, and I think it's something that maybe we've talked about off, the pod, but like it really sort of exacerbates and stresses how important that bridging of the two characters of Rita and Nadine was in the original 1994 Mm. miniseries, because I think it really does allow for you to have that sort of build up to the character because this is Nadine right here and you don't have all that stuff first off not only would I feel like we're going to have a little bit more time with this character but then all the scenes where I actually do have seen like the stuff with Nadine would actually make more sense to me because like you know we'll get into her in a second but like I felt nothing with her scenes in this mo- in this in this episode yeah. so I feel like yeah, no joke. It, that really does show <laughs> why they combine the characters in the 94 miniseries it just makes more sense well, i guess but
1: and
0: mm. I, I also feel like you don't get I think the problem with the way that they're doing this flashback stuff is that you just because the flashbacks are so brief because then we're going back to the future or whatever, (laughs) you just don't get the feeling that anyone's actually scared or worried. Mm -mm. Which we
2: did in the first episode, I think, with Franny.
0: Yes, yes. But like in in this, like, even when you like when you meet Rita, like I like the you know, how they took Rita and Nadine in the original miniseries and made them one character. I just liked the um almost like the insane need to be be with someone like that she was uh-huh. like conveying in the original miniseries. But this one just felt like she she could have either, you know, <laughs> left Larry on the street or she seemed totally fine, like without yeah. anybody. And then, and then you know, they walk into the, <laughs> they walk into town, and then he just kisses her like randomly. Yes, it, oh it just God. felt, it Good. just felt like I didn't feel any
2: connection there at all. Yeah. I have some, and then, I have some thoughts on all of this, but Jen, what are yours? Yeah.
4: I, I really like that Rita is in this story, and I think that she is an important part of Larry's art to me because I think. That's what really breaks him when mm-hmm. she dies, and I think that's because he just wanders around like almost walks into the ocean. I think if he hadn't found Nadine and Joe, yep. and I and I think that like I really liked all of the performances, it just felt so rushed. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. the thing that the problem, like last time I said I don't want it to be more episodes, and I just think now that I'm thinking about it more, I don't like that they're pairing characters. Like, I don't like that we have an episode where three characters are introduced, and I don't like that we have one where like Nadine and um, Larry are introduced I wish they had their own episodes and there's mm-hmm. plenty of material there like the thing with his mom felt so weird at the beginning with her being at the show I just don't think we really need it you know and that's those are the things that take away from him and Rita kind of developing some kind of connection and or like let's like make it less rita and half rita and half the mom just give it more time because yeah there's there's no connection they're just hooking up all of a sudden now Giovanna depo is very handsome and <laughs> i don't blame her but yeah it does feel very this entire episode and i don't know if it was the way that it was scripted but it just felt very forced and kind of hollow to me in a lot of
2: yeah. ways. yeah so here's my thoughts on i have a because i i I will say I'm rereading the stand right now. I'm pretty deep into it. And I will say that I was even more affected in a lot of ways by the Rita Larry section. Now, like, I feel like every time I read it, I, I I get more from that section. And Mm -hmm. I think what really works about it for me is that is the age difference and the cultural difference. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something we don't see in the show, which I think is a problem. But, you know, in the book, Rita is, you know, Thirty-five years older than him, roughly, mm-hmm. and uh, and he talks about her being older, like visibly older. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, these are two. What I think is so special about that plot line, and is that, and the reason why I buy like them kissing in the street, right? Like, it's I buy that in theory, yes. Because you take two people who are surrounded by death, and everyone they know is dying, and two people who are completely mismatched in a lot of ways, but they find each other. They're remotely attracted to each other. I mean, she's a lot more attracted to him than he is to her in the book, but you know, it is a way to feel human comfort and that would be expedited for me like at yeah. least i think in this high stakes situation yeah. but but the thing is rita is so and then rita the difference between another difference between this and in um the book is rita is so dependent on him because mm-hmm. she's used to mm-hmm. men taking care of her because she's a basically a socialite with a very rich husband who is very controlling and but the thing is larry has no patience for her because larry's immature he has yeah. no emotion and maturity and part of the book is the evolution, that development of the emotional maturity uh, that he has, and um, so. Uh, he treats her like complete garbage. Like in the book, whenever he gets mad at her, he screams at her and she has these. And the thing is like the older I've gotten, the more I've gotten to know people like this and even have tendencies of this myself, where you be, you start to feel helpless. And especially when someone yells at you, who you respect and you like, and you want to be near, you sort of become this cowering thing for them. And Larry, Mm -hmm. and that starts to, that starts to resonate later Because, and we're not, I don't think we're spoiling anything because you've you've watched the episode. When Rita dies, the the ambiguity in the book of whether or not she killed herself or whether it was an OD is great. Because it allows Larry to think, did I do this to her? Mm -hmm. Or was it just an OD? What I really struggle with in this episode is that it's implied that Nadine killed herself like i don't think there's ambiguity here and that does not work yeah oh yeah Yeah. what did i who did i I say nadine Nadine, yeah yeah. oh sorry rita that she killed herself which to me doesn't make any sense because she's super excited to meet larry yes they they go to bone zone instantly and it's (laughs) great like it's not like in the book they have like weird mediocre sex like it's weird Mm -hmm. and let me teach you yeah and like and uh here, it's like, you know, the, it's a it's, uh, it's, uh, Red Shoe Diaries kind of that business. Sucks. Well, that and also,
3: like, think about the scenes that are, like, literally right before when she decides that she's going to kill herself. Like, when Larry comes out of the manhole, um, not to be confused with uh, Manhole the Club from Wayne's World 2, um, just, <laughs> just to let you know. Um, but wow. when he comes out of the manhole, he, she's literally right there. And she's like, oh, my God, look, it's you. You did it. I went north. And she's, like, proud that she was able to do that. That and dialogue there. the
0: dialogue there is so... Bizarre. Yes. When she says, yeah. uh, you know, um, he says, I, I lost my phone. She goes, but not your drugs. Yeah.
3: Right. <laughs> like, what? So weird. What? Mm, but that's the it thing. It's very like, bizarre. It's, it's very <laughs> fast paced. And then, and look, I, I'm the living proof, you know, being bipolar, that like you go up and down all the time. You have your ups yeah. and you have your downs. I get that. But <laughs> when you're talking about this narratively, and you literally have that scene where they're like so happy to be together, and then you immediately cut it where you get to a scene that you could earn if you had some sort of like accordion between there. you had yep. some sort of you know dialogue, some sort of thing that could show the the, the 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 natural ebbs and flows of of emotions. instead it's just so insistent upon showing and telling at the same time. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's yeah. where I was trying to get at when the first episode and this recaps is that this is where the structure and format starts to fall apart because you're insisting so much on having to not only just use the show and tell effect, but then also assume that we're going to be able to have a lot more time down the road to spend with those characters where you can in turn start to understand where they were, what they were doing previously. Like a good example of this is when they showed Nick Andros, like, in this, you like you see Nick Andros, and you're like, oh, okay, who like to to the passerby? Who the hell's that? Who's this guy? Yeah, and you're right. gonna, you Who's know, this
2: Pirates of the Caribbean, mother exactly. Mother yeah. Yeah.
3: And and the show is insisting on that you will find out eventually. But the problem is that is that in that moment you're sitting there wondering, and it's taking away any effect that you're supposed to have with actually what's going on in that scene, and then also just a disaffect- it's that you're disaffected towards that character regardless, and that's yeah. a problem yeah. with the structure that is really going to set in especially in the the coming episodes, I feel like, but, you know. Well,
2: let me say this too about Rita. Um, Because I really wanted this storyline to work. Me too. Yeah, yeah, because I I think it is really important. And there's more here too because – and let's like hold off on the discussion of the sewer for now because I feel like that's a big discussion because it's such Mm -hmm. a big shift from the book. But again, by shifting – by taking us out of the tunnel, which is a much more harrowing experience, Mm -hmm. we also are – Taking away these reasons why Rita potentially would kill herself, if that is the decision they're making, yeah. which they have made, it is a purposeful decision. Um, I'm just not seeing the seeds there where it would have been really easy to work them in. But the problem mm-hmm. too with Heather Graham here is she feels very self assured. She's not mm-hmm. Rita in the book is is a is a is like a. Um, anxiety-rattled mess. Like she's not right, a weak, right. she's not a weak character, but she is somebody who is used to men treating her like shit. And also, she's somebody who is like, you know, she's older and she's scared and she's got anxiety. And she uh, and Larry keeps screaming at her. Like he's such mm-hmm. an asshole to her. And so, but you then you. But the thing is, there's there's all these things that factor in. But the problem too is Heather Graham plays her so self-assured, and also um, she's just in my opinion, and I know it's like, when we talk about aesthetics, it's hard, but she's not old enough. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the disparity between their ages, their cultural lifestyles, all these things that makes that relationship so interesting. And here, it's like she's just maybe like five or six years older than him. And I know in real life, they're probably... Is that the
0: case? In real life, though, yeah, I'm like, how old is Heather Graham now? Like, She's
2: probably in her early forties. I mean, she looks incredible, and so mm. it's like, yeah. it's it's like I just don't fully buy it. And then, um, yeah, because it just seems like like all like this is a relationship that would work. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like She's, they yeah. would She's be 51, together, or fifty-one mm-hmm. next she, month. Holy shit! Really?
0: Yeah, yeah but again, she so looks fantastic. Exactly. But it, you, I think. But how old is Jovon? Like thirty-two. All right. So, okay, so let's that's, say that's still
2: a, a jump. It's, hey, man, I'm just saying if Heather Graham no, no. looked a little more <laughs> her age, which, <laughs> hey, good for her that she looks so good. But it's just like yeah. I just don't buy it aesthetically. And so I yeah. so those were to me the big struggles um, with this plot line was that I, you know, I think it could have worked. And then um, the other big thing for me, too, is that we meet and this is something I think is not an issue for us as the watcher, or as the seasoned watcher, like, we know the story, and we know these characters, and, and, like, we've also been following this casting news. We know Amber Heard plays Nadine. We know Heather Graham plays um, uh, uh, Rita. So we have these two separate actors, And but the first person we meet with Larry is Nadine. Then we meet Heather Graham, and I can see, for the casual viewer, who is maybe not as versed in various actors and casting news and all this other stuff, I could see, like, like that the woman you see the blonde woman you see in the tent at the beginning who is a little bit bedraggled that that might be Heather Grant That's the right. same right. woman Rita that he meets and so like yeah. introducing these two women by his side who are both beautiful blonde women like if there was like if they had Nadine as she was in the book where she's got the long dark hair you know with the gray streaks and everything that's such a distinctive look that I wouldn't have merged those two characters but when you have yeah. these two beautiful blonde women um, sort of being his, his people I can see the casual viewer merging them in their mind and thinking they're seeing the origin story of the woman with the black stone which mm-hmm. I think could be a lot like a lot more confusing for people. And so that was just yeah. the, the other thing about it that I really stro- struggled with. Yeah.
4: Yeah, there's this one shot where they both have their backs to the camera and they're looking off into darkness and then it's Nadine and I could totally see people confusing them and I just realized she doesn't have that dark hair which is something I love about Nadine. Yeah. So I'm mad about that. But, yeah, when we are introduced to Heather Graham, like, she is very, like, confident. And she stands up and she just shoots a mailbox, like, Mm -hmm. way better than I would be able to. (laughs) And it's, like, this learned helplessness that's in the book that's what you're talking about, Randall, that we just don't see at all. And I feel like she does shoot a gun in the book, but then we Mm. get, like... Two more days of their interactions to see, like when she makes the eggs and he doesn't want them or something, like, and or the shoe strap, and it's just like the transition between she's excited because they found the bridge, and then she says, and this almost made my head explode. She says, "Being alive is stupid." I was like, <sighs> what the fuck are we now supposed to think that she is depressed and suicidal after everything we just saw? That and We're it like, comes out of that's, nowhere. That's so nowhere weird. it drove yeah, me insane.
0: <laughs> she essentially. Saves Larry from the sewer. <laughs> yeah, and is like and is like the level-headed. Like, hey, hey, hey we made it, we made it. Mm-hmm. Instead of Larry being that character, right. and then like minutes later, we we don't. I mean, that night probably she's yep. like giving yep. up on the world. And like you said, right. Randall, and we'll talk about it later about the Lincoln Tunnel. Or, or Mike was saying this earlier. They don't earn some of these things. Yep. You need to be with these characters for certain for a certain amount of time. And see them in these awful states, so that when these things happen and they make these decisions, you buy it. Mm-hmm. You can't just go. You can't just cut to the, the scene where they they make the decision, and expect you to just be like, "Oh, well, that's a big that's a big deal because." We, we know earlier that they were dealing with a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah. and yeah.
2: yeah. So basically that's the end of, you know, the, the death of Rita sort of the end of uh, Larry's flashbacks. And then we get, um, so basically what we see of him in Boulder is pretty abbreviated, but we, you know, we see him and um, Stu in a car together. And Stu basically says, you're one of the people mother Abigail told me to look out for. And uh, you're going to be one of the five names running this place. And Larry, I think, what I love about this, you see it in future episodes too, is Larry keeps asking, why am I here? (laughs) Why am I on? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's actually a really smart choice because... It's weird in the book, too. Like, why is Larry chosen? I think that there are answers, and it's something we can discuss as they go on. But it's not as clear as maybe somebody who's as practical as Stu, somebody who is as empathetic as Franny, somebody who's as, like, intellectual as Glenn. Like, all of those make sense. And so um, Larry's always kind of the weird one there. Although they do a thing in the next episode that I think might justify it a little. But so we basically... um, Uh, Get that scene and that sort of introduces to me one of the things that I struggle with most um, and we don't need to go too deep into this right now but just you know once we start getting into the idea of like preordination um, Mm -hmm. Mother Abigail having these visions and choosing these specific people many of whom like like you know the idea of stew and franny and glenn all being on the panel and they all met up on their way there it just like those are the things that always struggle me it's like why these five people or whatever you know that are on this uh panel that you have created mother abigail so but that's kind of the first introduction of that and sort of the weird hocus pocus of the um the supernatural aspect here what's up mike
3: one of the things that's interesting that i didn't catch the first time around was that there seems to be this like coded language that if you're not having the dreams you're not, you don't belong there. Like at one point yep. Franny asks uh, Nadine, like, Oh, you having the dreams? That's what we're supposed to ask. Oh yeah. yeah. Which is kind of interesting. That, and I didn't catch that before.
0: That, that seems really, that seems strange change because it made it seem like if you weren't having the dreams, you weren't welcome. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. made it seem like, well, isn't that just as bad as Vegas? Like it yeah. just feels like, you know, I, I feel like they should just be accepting everybody. I agree. I I wrote
2: this down too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I I get it one
0: thing later on when they think there's like spies or they think they're in danger, but like at this early end the stage, like you spend a lot of time with Larry having bad dreams of flag. Now, granted he's like scaring him, which I'd never understood. I'm like, why, why isn't he like trying to seduce him? Like everybody else. Like why (laughs) why, why even have (laughs) those dreams? It's so dumb. (laughs) But uh, it's like, if you're having both dreams, if you're having dreams of both people, which that, that seems to be the case with all the people in the free zone, If we're going to go up, if we're basing it off Larry, then why doesn't Nadine just say, yeah, I'm having the dreams? Because she is having dreams, just not of Mother Abigail necessarily. I don't know.
4: I think the problem is we just haven't seen nearly enough of the dreams because they're like stretched out and we'll see like Flag being scary in the book and then Mother Abigail is like the reassuring force and she starts to kind of build a connection with the five people that are on this list and here it's just like like if I were Larry I would be like what the fuck how do you know my name like what why are you asking me all those questions it did seem very like not what I understand the free zone to be but I think if there were I just I keep coming back it needs more time like it needs more time to develop these things because then it makes sense that there's a list of five people mm-hmm. and it makes sense that like everyone's having the dreams and although that was a little weird it was very official you know yeah, yeah. That, i mean it reminds me one, of like
3: being at a country club and then all of a sudden some guy with a clipboard coming by and be like, oh um, right. um can you're I, not
0: wearing a jacket
3: yeah right yeah, we, we we would prefer we think you'd be more comfortable in this jacket
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? i i i you know these are the questions i think i'm really reckoning with just throughout the the I'm going to be reckoning with throughout the rest of the series. But that line with Franny, when she says we're supposed to ask, that's weird. And then, and then Larry, after he talks to mother Abigail, Nadine asks, what did she say? And he goes, I'm not supposed to tell. And you know, and I, for me, it's like, I, I, this, this lack of transparency is, is, is an interesting thing for me. Um, and it's like these, these sort of weird official rules regarding mother Abigail and sort of the, the you know the supernatural aspects of it for me they it's just it it's one of those things where that i it doesn't feel fully fleshed out or thought through yet what's up mac yeah
0: and one of the things that kind of bugged me about this episode was they talked so long so long about not deifying mother abigail but like this whole episode was just like people are camping out in front of her house. Like mm-hmm. she's like, she's like this, like uh-huh. they're already like glorifying her as some kind of like, like magical person. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the whole, the whole, of like, Oh, you know, now you can see her and Nick comes out and like brings her in and it's ominous and you still haven't seen her yet, but it's like, but we know what she looks like. She was in the last episode. Why are we keeping this like a secret? Well, you going to go in there. And it's I like think a, that does. I, mean, the thing I is don't know in like, the
2: book. She does struggle with the idea that she has been deified in this community. And so, right, but they, and,
0: they but they made a point of saying they weren't gonna, they really weren't going to try to do that yeah. with that character this time. Well, speaking or, of, so, I don't know when yeah,
2: when Larry is brought to meet her, we meet two other key characters. Uh, one at the door is Ray Brentner, not Ralph Brentner. Uh, um, yeah. So. And she is not in the book. She's on the committee with them, but here she's sort of this like bouncer (laughs) outside. um, Yeah, Mother Mother Abigail's Abigail's place. And then we also meet inside. We meet um, Pirates of the Caribbean Nick Antros, uh, (laughs) who comes out with his eye patch. Doesn't really say much. They just introduce him. And then Larry goes and meets. um, Can't say much. Yeah, good point. Um, (laughs) And he goes and meets. uh, uh, But you say too, like Mac, like you said about not deifying. But then they do say they call her a prophet like ray bretner yeah. calls her a yeah. place she goes mm-hmm. it's dangerous being a prophet and he's like oh is that what she is and um and that's an interesting kind of phrasing i think for it but um yes. but yeah so with uh so larry basically meets mother abigail there's not much there um you know so that's and that's kind of to me the real extent of the larry storyline that we see in here is we're kind of just like easing in with him here so yeah. other thoughts about larry's journey in this How, do we feel like we got a good sense of him or we can maybe save that for mars and scars yeah yeah, yeah. i think that'd be good.
4: i do want to say it feels very much like they're going to see the oracle in the matrix right? i oh. know thinking that yes, like, oh, yes it, did, it did spoons, it did make cookies. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. you know that's not a bad thing it just was it just furthered the deification kind of thing
2: yeah okay uh the other big plot line we got here which I am rubbing my hands. I'm <laughs> oh, You're just to talk waiting about. to do this. Oh my God. We got our Can't good wait. man, Lloyd Henry, Lloyd. Uh, played by <laughs> Nat wolf uh, best known for romantic comedies. they romantic dramas, things of that nature. Uh, but Nat Wolff here plays a very, a very grungy, I'd say Lloyd Henry. We open on him being pulled into jail. Everybody's cheering for him because he killed a cop. Uh, well, he ostensibly killed a cop and he is, reveling in the adulation, but the cops hate him and he gets thrown into a prison cell with a very large, scary man who I think the cops are hoping will do some naughty, naughty things to him. Unfortunately, uh, there is some... uh, The cops are already sneezing, which says, "Uh uh-oh, things might not be going great here. And then we flash back uh, to kind of learn about what brought Lloyd here. The scene actually feels pretty similar to the way that they did it in the 94 really version. does yeah although they just really yeah. really hammer home the idea of pokerizing someone he I says it like eight thousand times i was like all right all right that, that was, was he did a lot in the
3: book though doesn't he in the he, car yeah
2: not
0: but
3: this it, much but exactly and that's the thing it's
4: and a, it's over scenes too
3: and you have mm-hmm. to like exactly like at that point you really need to like kind of temper be like all right we got one we got one of them in like we don't need eight <laughs>
2: Like, so on. I think I think there's a couple of things that I I mostly enjoyed here, mm-hmm. which was um was which was how because I, I think the thing about Lloyd in the '94 mini series, the the thing is Lloyd to me is somebody in the book who I think that there's a lot of different faces you could put on. You know, they never really say his age, and they um or they don't really describe his appearance too much, and they kind of just portray him as as somebody who is. Uh, you know, not a complete idiot, but he is very susceptible to other people. And he is, um, but he's also a survivor. And I think Mm. that, We kind of get all of that here because I think that even in just that holdup scene, they do a good job of showing that Lloyd is uh, genuinely deranged, which is something that they don't really do with Miguel Ferrer in the 94 one. Uh, Miguel Ferrer plays it a little bit more in control, like he was almost a master criminal on his way up, you know, whereas here you can really buy Lloyd as as somebody who is not seasoned at being a gigantic piece of shit killer. So mm-hmm. he um so and the and you can also see that the guy who plays Poken here uh very much bullies him around and has sort of a firm grip on him. So we see this um we see this uh, you know, robbery going on. And then I think Poke sneezes. And when he sneezes, he blows the head off this woman. And then uh, it turns out there's a cop in the back. They all start shooting at the cop. Chaos ensues, big explosion, and. <laughs>
0: That's probably my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> I uh, kind of loved it <laughs> because it, it not only took me at, completely out of the episode why that song was being chosen, um, the it kind of slows down for a second, yep. you know, like slow mo, but nothing really happens. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> like what? It's <laughs> what a, very... why, are we, why are we like why are we uh, focusing on this moment?
4: Yeah, You got to see the Easter egg after
0: basically everything happened. Like, you know, like you see, like the gunshots, like they kind of shoot out the store a little bit, but like not enough to merit like what they're doing with that scene. <laughs> well, like no, what's the purpose of it?
3: You know, like, I mean, lyrically, it doesn't even really make much sense in that sequence, also.
2: You uh, know? To me, it was just that's the kind of song you'd hear playing in a shitty little roadside sack, like, you
0: know, just yeah. listen to I the mean, radio. Would that be one know? thing if it was like on the radio yeah. already, and then they just like dropped everything and just kept that playing. And there just happened to be a moment in that song where it turned. But it comes out of nowhere. Well, I got a question. (laughs) I got a question.
3: What is a Weezer song that would have worked better for you in this sequence? Mm. Um, Any other one. um,
2: (laughs) My name is Jonas, just because
3: I love that song. I do, too. My my name is uh, Nick Andrews. Um,
2: (laughs) I was going to say, I'm trying to think of...
3: My name is Andrew even though it has nothing to do with Lloyd, but you know, you, you put it in there. Um, I'm wearing
2: a patch. Hashpipe. <laughs>
3: hashpipe could have worked. I think Hashpipe ah, could have worked in Hashpipe this, would have worked. Know, right, just like, it, you know, Pi 2. You, you, you it, put, it you put Slob on there from Maladroit. Oh, uh, yeah. That could be cool.
2: <laughs> I just, I want all, I want Blue Album Weezer. I want You know, only I, only I feel dreams. like. Yes, yes. That the, would be I good. I feel like the and only then you reason. you build it to the prison.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. You know
0: poke has a florida tattoo on his arm maybe they were saying that's where he's from floridians listen to weezer's third album i, I don't I mean, know mac i think you're is.
2: overthinking it here <laughs> um.
4: It's the green color is like the green of the sunglasses that you would see at a convenience oh store.
0: well see that's, that's see that was lost i think they said that originally that shot was like through the sunglasses and then pulled back
2: mm, mm-hmm. so yeah. The next time we see Lloyd, we basically just see him withering away in the police cell. His, uh, his cellmate is, is, like, getting sick himself. Uh, the cops uh, basically hate the fact that Lloyd isn't sick, and they spit mucus in his face, which is really disgusting. Or they yeah. wipe mucus yeah, in his face. That is gross. I literally yeah. had to cover my eyes. That's, like, the grossest shit to me. Yeah, it's, and, it's... Then, uh, and then eventually he starts, you know, running out of food. And then he, they actually go there, which they didn't in the 94 version, that he actually eats the leg of, um, of his cellmate as well as the rat. And so um mm-hmm. you know and then it builds like it does with Randall Flagg basically being the one to come and save him uh and um
0: yeah I thought that was uh a good good uh Randall Flag intro. I thought he did a really good job with that. Just some too, of those I lines I thought were actually pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you Could've know lived without the singer, You can't but... you can't Yeah, but you can't do Jamie Sheridan and so like I I was mm-hmm concerned about how he was going to play flag in this, mm-hmm. but I, I, like you were saying earlier about Miguel Ferrer, he is so in control that I don't as much buy him kind of feeling like like I'm going to be beholden to you once I get out of here. But like this Lloyd, I definitely see him. I understand. He's like, he really plays him. He really manipulates him yeah. and gets him to like, you know, and I, I buy that. Um, yeah, let's. Yeah I, have,
2: yeah, I have more thoughts on on why I actually quite like this version of Lloyd, uh, but we'll save that for Mars and scars. Uh, but basically, this ends with um, him giving him the Black Stone, and so we get sort of a full circle moment here. But the thing is, are people going to remember Nadine having a Black Stone because that happened 50 minutes ago and it was a very brief moment? And that's the thing is, there's so yeah. much I and mean, there's so much time jumping. We're hopping around like crazy. I genuinely think that it would be, it would be like. I will say I didn't remember her having the Blackstone like at the yeah. end of the episode after the Whoa. first time I watched I it. Either. So, yeah. yeah, like, so it was, so I think it's, it's a, it's a you know, when I rewatched it, I liked it a little bit more because I saw the symmetry of the episode. You know, they're sort of beginning and ending with these people who are becoming beholden to Flag and spending time with these people who are more drawn to Mother Abigail in the middle. Um, but I think that, you know, I don't know, the Blackstone thing, it just doesn't quite land like it did. In, I think, the 94 series even, so.
3: Well, one of the things that I wanted to bring up also is, do we think that Flag is grooming Larry to be the right-hand man, and then ultimately, you know, Mother Abigail steps in in that dream, and then, you know, he pivots over to Lloyd? Like, Lloyd's maybe his third or fourth option because we'll find out some other people down the road but you know yeah let's save
2: this discussion yeah. for next okay. week okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, okay. based on some stuff that happens in episode three because I what you're saying Mike I'm 100% on board with you okay. but yeah let's save that for next week so okay. you, you too Matt I'm not I think on I, next week but okay I, well I think after you watch next week's episode <laughs> that might make a little more sense but yeah. it's, well, uh, it
0: doesn't make sense that some of the dreams that Larry's having of the dark man in this episode it's like uh what yeah <laughs> i mean
2: i'll say that i'm glad that i'll say that like i'm glad that um we're seeing the, these dark man dreams afflict the people who are beyond just the bad guys, right? Yeah. Like, we're seeing Larry have them. We're seeing uh, Stu have them. We're, like, I, for me, I just want dream balance. I want to know that everybody had a choice, because that's, like, yep. my number one thing. And, of course, like, with Nadine, that is something that we will continue to explore in future episodes. But um, it true. seems at this point that, you know, she's got this stone from the get-go. So, um, Yeah. More on that later. Um, any other sort of plot theme ideas um, do we want to talk about in this section, or should we save it for future sections? Because there is still much to discuss.
3: I think we could save it for future sections.
2: Cool. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to our favorite section of our stand recaps, which is a little thing we call Mars and Scars. I saw you leaving. You bored with the sermon? <laughs> No, no,
3: just... Not really my thing.
2: Hmm.
0: Can I give you a piece of friendly advice? Sure. Now, it's one thing to come into town thinking you're too good for the people who live here. I don't know why you'd say that. But, I wouldn't... but being too
2: good for God,
0: that's another thing entirely.
2: Welcome to Mars and Scars, the section where we talk about James Marsden and Alexander Skarsgård. Mars and Scars, <laughs> the boys. Specifically them, that's it? That's that it. is the only Goodbye. ones we talk about... Uh, what'd you think about uh, James Marsden's uh, flannel in this in this oh, episode?
3: Great flannel. Uh, get him a Pearl Jam CD already.
1: I mean, come
3: <laughs> on. Um, yeah, I mean, Marsden's great. I, I I I'm Team Marsden in this series, and I think that watching him in this scene with the rapport between him and Larry, I, you know, first round I was kind of like, oh, that was a superfluous scene. Second round I'm like, oh, that was actually a great scene, and then. You know, I I do actually think the rewatchability factor of this series, if you do actually indulge in it and actually go back and binge, I think you're going to be a a lot. I think it'll be a a more rewarding experience the second um, go around. But I I love Marsden. I think the little that we get here, I'm starting to
2: warm up to this Stu Redman. Um, Well, he's a very he's a very warm guy. I mean, that's the thing about Marsden. Like, I, I think I said this last week, too, but it's like he's never the best actor on screen. Like, there's not a lot of range there. But that man just exudes, like, charisma and likability, amiability. Like, there's yeah. a reason he doesn't play villains, really, you know? Like, I'm trying yeah. to think of things he played villains in, and I'm coming what, up short. Disturbing behavior?
3: He hey, he's a not really No, marmy. he's not a villain in that. No, no, no. I know, in, I know. He's a fucking um, great, he's a hero. He's a hero. It he was
4: in Mrs. America, he played a pretty oh, yeah. smarmy asshole. But, but I he, mean, that's not necessarily a villain.
1: Right. But,
4: you know, and that suits, like, the devastating good looks, like, worked in his favor in that place but that's why he loses lois lane to superman you know you he's yeah. just kind of like a really hot constant you know
0: isn't he, like, isn't he like a rival newscaster in the anchor one of the anchorman movies <laughs> he is yeah. oh yeah, yeah. i could
4: yeah. see him on the, i would watch the news if, you know, <laughs> <Yeah. giving. laughs>
2: um but yeah let's talk a little bit more about uh joven adepo's larry what do we think about this performance and um you know even just the arc we sort of get with him in this episode
3: I like him. I mean, I actually like him a lot. Yeah, I think there's yeah. some, there's an understated quality to his performance here that works in direct juxtaposition and slight opposition, actually a lot of opposition to Heather Graham. Um, because mm-hmm. whereas, whereas he's playing a lot of things understated and a little more nuanced, she is, it's almost like the, I don't know what is happening, but the line readings for a lot of this stuff is just really off. And I'm actually kind of surprised at some of the, takes that they had you know like when she's when she's just like i'm scared like <laughs> there's not really much pause like... and depth to that and conviction and with joven adepo you can't really believe that he's in this sort of daze but yeah i actually just believe that heather graham is in this movie, which sounds awful <laughs> but I, I just it's just a well, weird like, mixture she's, there
0: i mean this is it for rita right this this episode mm-hmm. oh or yeah do you know yeah so ultimately it just felt like she was on set for a day, and you know, like I like Heather Graham, but yeah, it, it felt like she was kind of, it just felt like she was kind of phoning it in. I, I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed like, I don't know. It seemed empty. It just seemed yeah. kind of hollow to me. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I was like, anybody could have been this, or A, well, you could have just made this Nadine still, and then we would have been oh. able to just be Amber Heard the whole time, and it was, still would have made sense if you just kind of followed the same trajectory as the original miniseries. series.
2: Yeah, but. I just I get the vibe top to bottom that they really didn't wanna uh do the same choices that Mick Garris made. You know? Yeah. There's so much about this series in a good way, but also not always, but mostly in a good way, I think, where they really try to distinguish this as a distinguished telling. You know, like like one that has that doesn't take the same shortcuts or or things that the ninety four one did, or and then one that, you know, basically chooses to highlight different aspects and characters from the book and I mostly appreciate that but in this instance I really like they did not justify the use of Rita so
4: yeah and it felt really forced in a weird way it felt like there were they were trying to make it their own thing but also felt really kind of beholden to the story and trying to get in as many as they can and I mean I agree with you I'm not a huge Heather Graham fan just to begin with but it did feel like she was sorry um (laughs) but she yeah like if you've got 9 episodes like you've got to make every single one count and this one just felt felt really flat mm-hmm. because of her like the wide-eye acting and then the and I thought I really enjoyed her performance at the very end when she was depressed aside from that terrible line but it just it didn't work and it did like if I look at when he comes out of the sewer I love Jovanna Depo in this and in anything because Overlord is amazing. And if you haven't watched it, go watch it right now. But um, when he comes right, out, I, he's I, like, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> oh, yeah. <you're> just, <laughs> Sorry, after he listens. Um, but like, he's like rolling around. And like, I really bought how terrified he was. And she's like, mm-hmm. yay, drugs. And it's just the juxtaposition of those two performances was very off to me yeah you know yeah. yeah yeah it just felt really forced and scripted a lot of times
2: the only place where it where it really came together was in the bedroom
4: <laughs> <laughs> i did enjoy that scene yeah
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was it was i i don't know if i enjoyed it but it, it i will at least <laughs> say that that it i got a kick out of it <laughs> like i know that you we
3: were texting when you
2: were I first watching it. obsessively and i yeah. said is that fucking singer rose yeah
3: <laughs> like it was so because here's the thing like i hate when people steal needle drops from other really essential needle drops and like that song is vanilla sky. I'm sorry. It's always going to mm-hmm. be vanilla sky. Like it's in one of the most important scenes in the movie. You can't take that. Like, I'm sorry. And when you're using that, especially in an empty city, which is also a you know, visual motif from vanilla sky, like it just seems very cheap to me. Um, so that am- immediately took me out of it. And then also, just the way that it kind of comes like red shoe diaries is a perfect like comp <laughs> it because so- it really is. It reminds me of like the, it also reminds me of like the X-Files episode where um, David Duchovny goes to LA and like, there's like vampires and stuff like that, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. it seems to be a callback to red shoe diaries cause he was in it. He was the narrator. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it didn't work for me too well. I mean, it's pretty, I guess, but the only thing I got out of it the second go around was like how much of a wasted potential it was. Cause like the, you know, like you were talking about, Randall, like th- these scenes in the book are great for me because it really shows the sense of dread that mm-hmm. you get and um, really gets into the idea of that overnight um, sort of panic where you're like, oh, God, the more days that pass us are the less removed or the f- further removed we are from any sense of normalcy. And those chapters with Rito really, you know, hammer that down. And there's just so many wasted opportunities to really kind of, you know, emphasize that. Like I was thinking of, there's one shot in Dawn of the Dead, the original Giorgio Romero, uh, John, Dawn of the Dead, um, where the helicopters lift off from the docks and all of a sudden you see the skyline and like all the lights go off in the buildings and stuff like that together. And it like really stresses this, like no one's there anymore. It's mm-hmm. all gone. Everything's lost. And there's just so much life still in the city, even though when they show it destruct, you know, in, in destruction. And I kind of wanted more of like, more of those shots, those establishing shots that we get because the establishing shots we do get you know, right after the sex scene and then later on when um, they decide to play Beach House. Uh, they, <laughs> hey, they, don't
2: spoil. I'm got. i I'm saving I, that for later. <laughs> okay,
3: but those shots are great and they really, you know, the second time around, I got to kind of focus a little bit more on the details and I was just like, I don't know if it was budget or what, but like we kind of could have used a little bit more of that and it shows the gravity of the moment and then in turn, it allows you to, to understand why these characters are coming together and then why they feel so sort of um desolate and hopeless um and so yeah i don't know a lot of missed opportunities in that sense but
0: i just feel like they it 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 does feel like they're biting off more than they can chew each episode like it had this just been a bottleneck episode about larry and 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 flashback into his past very much like lost Mm -hmm. i would have we would have been able to spend a lot more time developing that and i would have bought you know rita at the end and their relationship and all that stuff, but because you had to share it with all the Lloyd stuff and the Nadine stuff, but not go into the Nadine stuff enough to merit any introducing any of that in this episode, you didn't need any of that in this episode. Because yeah. it, it's not introduced could, enough to, like, really go
2: into it. I mean, you only have so many episodes, so I can I can see the merging of some storylines. Because, like, the Lloyd thing doesn't bother me because it's relatively streamlined. It's the Nadine stuff. Because, the, and it's not, again, that's it's not a big part of the episode. But to me, it's, there. you're doing, there's a lot of mystery surrounding her. And not enough, there's not enough payoff, like, with that character in this episode, I don't know. It's just yeah. like you know, she she does not. I I want to meet her on the road. I don't want to meet her in the future. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. This remind you know what this feels like, and I don't know how the rest of the episodes are obviously, but this feels like when in the original miniseries series when, when the third part picks up. Yep. I, yep. And there's like other people there. Mm-hmm. They're doing the surgery. You're like, wait, did I did this thing start taping late? Did I miss yeah. something? Yeah. Is this you yep. know like you're like you feel like shanghai you don't know what's going on and Mm -hmm. again (laughs) if you've read the book sure you might understand but here it's just like it's one thing to start off with a new character but you introduce like a bunch of new characters right out the gate and then like you said they immediately pivot to like the heather graham thing later and and you're like wait is that the same character like i i just think it's yeah a little, yeah. little sloppy, just a little sloppy. Yeah, there's
4: one point where Larry's driving and he looks in the back seat to Nadine, and then he looks over at some other woman that we've never seen. was like, who the fuck is that? And yeah, is some random woman in their car. <laughs> the judge apparently <gasps> is it we, the judge? You know, it is yeah.
2: the judge. You find out later it's the judge. Yeah, no yeah. way. Okay, I didn't realize that. Till I my take second it back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, but, not. I, and <laughs> but I had to that look just it up, and I'm it. a fan it, too. You know, yeah, that's I was like,
3: I had to go look it up. Yeah, and that hammers down the whole idea that I can't even imagine what the you know the seals fans are thinking right now like when they're watching these shows it's like you know can I just go back to Boreanas? like I mean I just <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused yeah,
0: uh, oh, yeah. I, I, now I haven't you know is is there is a Boreanaz show up
3: later Epps I hope I you know I hope
0: Boreanaz trash shows can up
2: man right <laughs> I wish man I, I will oh, just man, say I would I cannot totally believe, watch that. I cannot believe that my cries to hashtag cast Boreanas <laughs> fell on deaf ears um, uh. those I, I worked so hard at that um, but let me just say uh, uh, yeah I, I will say I I I like that Larry has a Vegas dream and I like that we see him sort of reckon with that but the problem is I had the same problem I think you said it Mac like why is he trying to scare him yeah. <laughs> right the the vague, like, like like the Vegas thing at the beginning
0: when he's like the money symbol and you're like oh okay cool like maybe he's like tempting him because he here's this rock star who's a drug addict like you would probably wouldn't have to do much to bring him to Vegas at this point mm-hmm. yeah and then you like you're chasing him with some weird like the uh, why why are you doing that? Like and now it makes sense more for like Stu and some of the people that are, you know, goody two shoes that probably would never go with flag anyways, and he's just trying to say, Don't don't go to Boulder. Like he's just trying to scare them. Like that makes sense. But Yeah, like, that's a good way to look know. at it's it, I think.
2: Strange. Um Yeah, there's just there's a lot there. And but the problem is I still I feel like this yeah, we get some I I, I like how much we see of Larry in the early going. I like seeing him on stage talking to people. Like, that. Mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff we... I love yeah. the banner in the background of him with a cowboy hat on, yeah, and, uh, yeah. the pocket savior thing. Like, that stuff goes a long way in setting up the context that we need to understand where Larry's at in his career, the way he can con- conduct a crowd, work with people, all this other stuff. It just, like, it... Um, but then once he gets on the road with Nadine... Or, I'm sorry, with uh, Rita, it just, to me, we... That context is still there, but she's not bringing anything interesting out of him, which that Mm -hmm. is exactly what that character is meant to do. And so, Larry, for me, even after this episode, still felt a little fuzzy for me. Whereas at the end of episode one, I felt like I had a really good handle on Harold and a really good handle on Franny. Um, And Whereas I come out of this one feeling like I've got a good handle on Lloyd, but I don't think I've got a really great handle on Larry. And, you know, obviously... It's a little more complicated. yeah it is complicated and you can't do it all in one episode usually um and we've got many more episodes which is great so yeah so i think that um an underwhelming introduction of larry i think which which is probably going to be hard for a lot of fans of the book because he's a lot of people's favorite character so well
3: you know I i wouldn't just wouldn't be a recap episode if i didn't bring it back to my favorite place in the world albuquerque new mexico um for my favorite show breaking bad you know i just finished my fifth rewatch vince gilligan he knows how to make a show is it really your favorite show it's i think it's my favorite show at this point um but what i think about with larry is something that is really hard to do, like what you know, Mac was saying he is, he is a far more he's a far more complex, complicated character than the majority of the, the cast that we get with the stand with with just because of where his arc is because he's the really he a bigger yeah and he's he's really the only character out of the five that like is kind of towing on like, well, am I going to fall to the dark side or am I going to fall to the mm-hmm. light side instead of but the thing is is that I, I think about the episode in season one of of Breaking Bad. When they when Walt really has to contend with the idea, like, is he going to kill this guy downstairs Mm. in the basement? And that's Mm. in one episode for the most part. I mean, obviously, they spend five seasons showing how he turns bad. But in that one episode, though, you really get to kind of watch Walt teeter from. okay, well, he's still good. Can he get can we can he make can he go over the hump here and still be good and we still like him? And it takes a lot of finesse. It takes a lot of great writing. It takes a lot of plotting. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a, you know, a, a, a God, I have tube neck apparently. Um, <laughs> when it, when you, when you take, when you take a complex character, that's, that's nuanced like this. Maybe you should just give him the whole episode, you know, like yep. maybe mm-hmm. you shouldn't have wedged it with all this other stuff. Like, I mean, he really is like it, it, it's it's going to take a lot of finesse, and this is just not going to happen. You would have to cut yeah. things down. You'd have to really streamline things a little bit more. And they don't. They just keep adding and adding and adding, while also trying to make him more com- complicated than Larry is, even in the '94 miniseries. And I applaud him for that. But you got to you got to pick and choose. You can't have it all. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So, but yeah. here you so, go.
0: What you do is you have you do just have Larry and Lloyd in this episode because they are two characters where mm-hmm. you don't really know where they lie I mean you know Lloyd's obviously like a criminal but you know Larry's no like you know spring chicken. you know he's like sitting over here snorting coke and doing all this bad shit and well, he's still he's from not the, a good guy his dying ex- yeah roommate. he steals drugs yeah. from the dying roommate maybe he pa- plagiarizes this song so like I think it would have been cool to introduce these two characters and you don't you don't know where they're going. You know, unless you, I mean, obviously we read the book, but like, well, yeah, I think it would have been more to, cool to, to see like yeah. you know, who is, who is actually manipulated enough by a flag. And then at the end, you know, he takes the stone exactly. and exactly Larry doesn't or something. Like, yeah. I, I think that would have been a cool way to introduce those characters.
2: And it's a good yeah. way too to sort of keep the focus on, you know, like we are on these opposing sides. So you focus mm-hmm. on one character who's going this way one character who's going this way. And, uh, yeah. you know, they do that in the first episode with Harold and Franny too, which I yeah. think is, is cool. And so, um... So yeah, I I think all that's really accurate. Um, Let's but but I I do
3: have one more point to say on this. Is that what we're noticing here is that just because you take pieces of the book, you know, and the book is obviously this well oiled machine and has all the arc there, all the things are put together. And I think there's this assumption that like, well, if I'm pulling from the arc and these scenes that involve this person's arc, then all of a sudden it's going to work well. You know, like all right, well the essentials from the book are there, so. This should add up on screen, but they don't though. And you really have to kind of think about, well, look at this as a standalone. Like this is, this is your introduction to the episode, like to this character, make the episode be able to count so that it's a standalone thing. So that when you just watch this episode, you know, that fucking character. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that like, you can't grow with that character, but if you're going to have us, you know, know who this character is and at least have some sort of strong constitution with them good make sure that you can do it standalone but i I think because they check off the boxes that you know lloyd and uh and larry you know have with the book they think it's well it's all it's all said and done and i just don't think that's the case we've hit
0: everything we need to hit here let's move on kind of thing yeah and yeah but 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 they don't earn it and that's the problem you can't you can't just stand on the shoulders of the book and and you know be like okay we did xyz it's like no yeah. you you have to show how they got there otherwise we don't care about them as characters.
4: Right. The arc doesn't mean anything if you don't show both sides of it, because mm-hmm. then those choices don't matter. That's just, yeah. like, And they don't seem out of, like it doesn't seem like an extraordinary choice to do any of the things if you don't understand why. And I think that's my biggest problem. And I think, like, I look at Larry and Harold as really the two most interesting, and their arcs are so opposite, and I think they did a really great job of kind of showing Harold's arc in the first mm-hmm. episode, and I think they just really fumbled Larry's. Probably, if they had just taken the Nadine stuff out of this episode it would her own episode i think it would have helped a lot more yeah maybe taking some of the mother stuff out too
2: mm-hmm. i agree um let's talk about lloyd the man himself uh i gotta say i loved i think from what are you looking at what are you laughing at i was Mike? gonna say you go this is this
3: is the bauer power hour <laughs> for the power power
2: hour yeah. uh well i think that's the thing that i like but the thing is he's a lloyd's a very different kind of like you know, villain from somebody like Bowers or, or one of his many bullies, because the thing about the bullies is, is they're not dumb, you know, like King's bullies are, are sort of, you know, I don't know. They're like these slick evil machines. And whereas Lloyd to me is, is a big dumb galoot. And I kind of love that about him, Mm -hmm. that he is, he is somebody who clearly, um, uh, Rides with wherever the road is taking him, and like the idea that he has accidentally become this celebrated cop killer is so exciting to him. And I kind of love the sort of you know, I don't see him as evil. I just see him as selfish and opportunistic. And uh, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, I don't know. He's just so happy to um be known for anything. Mm -hmm. um, And even though it is, you know, ostensibly killing a cop. And so I, I, I love, I think it was just the moment I saw his big dumb grin when he was being led by the cop to his cell. Mm -hmm. I kind of like immediately fell in love (laughs) with Mm this character because he's a little, you know, he's somebody who isn't fully aware of the severity of the things that he's getting himself into. And that goes to flag as well. And I think that to me speaks to, um, you know, if we ask, why did Flag make this guy his right-hand man? That, to me, is a question that I think I, I'll talk more about in future episodes. But almost more so than the book, I understand the answer to that question now from this series. Um, mm. And I kind of love that. And I think that's me maybe being very generous uh, and and adding a lot of my own commentary like uh, and reasoning to it. But I think that... Um, there is something so like, because you do see too, that he is so desperately, like he wants to be someone's protege again. Like he, like he clearly would love that about poke and everything. And then he, uh, and then he's alone. He's the only one in this prison. And when, when flag saves him, he's so grateful. But the thing is, it takes like, it it, even if he didn't save him, I think he would have been happy to do it. Although what I do miss and what I do wish we saw more of was the con, like, what if Lloyd had a Mother Abigail dream, you know, like Mm. I want to see that, like what would Mother Abigail say to him? And that to me is super interesting. Cause actually I'm rereading the book right now. There's actually bits where, uh, 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 trash can man sort of is visited in some ways by mother Abigail, like not in the Mm -hmm. same way as other people, but he is, there is this sense that she is reaching out to him and he is repelled by it. You know, it's not, it's not that she is rejecting him. It's that he is rejecting her. And I would love to see like Lloyd, I wish we could have seen like Lloyd, like reject mother Abigail, you know, that to me would have been super neat.
0: Totally agree with you. And I, I think that there is a moment where in the prison when it's just Lloyd and someone else, the other prisoner is yelling out like mother yeah. over mm-hmm. and over again. And I was one, I wondered if like she had reached out to him, but he's like locked in this jail. He can't get out. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I wonder. I, I was kind of like, oh, that would be cool. If like you had people that made the right decision, but because they had made the wrong decision in the past, they're locked up in oh jail. My they can't God. get out. They can't I get never her, you know? thought about that. Because that's in the book too. She's not
4: magical and she can't get there the way Flag can. Yeah. That's interesting. I've
2: never thought about that, Mac. And that, yeah, yeah, that's like directly from the book too. Um, Super interesting. Yeah. So uh, what else did we think about Lloyd? I I don't expect that everyone will share my enthusiasm for Nat Wolf's um, uh, uh, deranged performance.
3: There's this thing that's going on, and I don't want to spoil too many of the episodes, but. One of the problems that people are going to write about of this show.
2: Oh, there will be many.
3: There, there are a <laughs> lot, and I've been out. I've been already tipped off to many that that are, are already spawned from the first episode alone. But you know, one of the things that I've noticed here is that there's this sort of um, uh, affectation that a lot of the villains have that seems to be a more effeminate, maybe a little more um, uh, pansexual, asexual way that seems to be almost villainizing in a way and, and I'm, mm. not, I'm not trying to sit on a soapbox and stuff like that but like I've noticed that and you'll see it coming up and I just I'm just throwing it out there now because it's going to come up later but like Lloyd is so um, it's like it's almost like very like overtly sexual in a weird way but like almost like like giddy sexual like like almost kind of like um, like you know in the Pulp Fiction when Bruce Willis is in, the, is in the basement and like they bring out the gimp and he's like ooh, ooh, like, like that like <laughs> They literally show Lloyd in the in the in the cell like when when Flag comes up and he's like, "Oh, you're a beautiful fellow." <laughs> and and like they do this a bunch of times in these episodes coming up.
2: There's a lot of there's a lot of like sexual undercurrents. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it
3: bothers me cuz it's like I, I don't really get what you're are you trying to say that like this the, the sort of fetishization that these people are having is like on the evil spectrum in a way. And I guess Right. There's well, a weird moral moral superiority to that that decision and i'm and i'm seeing it in a lot of like the sort of um more like anti-hero villains in a way and i don't mm-hmm. understand why that's a quality of the characters like why is that your way of like all right well, well this person's villain so i guess for it.
2: me it 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 teases it's i'm not the thing is like i don't have a problem with it with lloyd necessarily because I think a lot of these people are driven. I think the people who are driven to Vegas, and I think the central question of what drives somebody to Vegas and what drives somebody to Boulder is a very, very complicated one. And when I asked Benjamin Cavell about it, he didn't really give me a straight answer. He gave me a little bit. He told me some things that he thinks distinguishes Mother Abigail and Randall Flagg that I thought were interesting. But what drives somebody? Because it's not just good and evil. It's like, but I think it is the pursuit of, pleasure above all else I think Mm -hmm. is something that drives people to Vegas and that's clearly Lloyd like I guess it's what I was trying to say when I say he like rolls with the flow like he goes with wherever life is taking him and uh sort of mines it for pleasure in whatever regard whether that's painful like you know joy finding joy in pain in other people's pain or finding like sexualizing everything and it's like humping everything like humping inanimate objects you know like I feel like that is something that is there in Lloyd and I think um Uh, I think the beautiful fella thing is almost more of a, and this is, this tips me off to a line that Benjamin Cavell said to me where he's like, well, if somebody looked like Alexander Skarsgård, you might want to follow him too, you know? And and Mm -hmm. so I think that that might be, I think that might be them sort of capitalizing on, uh, the fact that this is a beautiful man who has come to yeah. save you and, and it, i'm and not if, disputing
3: that for sure yeah
2: and <laughs> if and if the nexium cult taught us anything the nexium documentaries <laughs> it's that people will follow beautiful people into the pits of hell so yeah. it is uh, i think that that actually is sort of an interesting um wrinkle to it but what you're saying Mike, the larger Uh, discussion about you know the feminization of certain aspects of evil and the sexualization of certain aspects of evil that is definitely going to be a big part of our upcoming episode so um mac what did you think about lloyd henry played by nat wolf (laughs)
0: Uh, everything I had seen up to this point especially some of the promos I was really worried and concerned but he is he is playing it so completely different like you said it is very vague character in terms of the book in terms of like the description and stuff so I was like oh thank god you are really doing something completely different than Miguel Ferrer because I'm not sitting here comparing this whole time you know like I'm really it's so totally different it's just like okay this is your take on this character cool and I I enjoyed I enjoyed it you know I I liked what he's doing with it I mean I don't know I don't know where it's going uh, but uh, right now I'm like I'm on I'm board with this Lloyd uh, and I, again like when he walks out with flag I totally bought that yeah. he was like like you were saying like he was looking to be someone's number two whereas even in the original main series it's like hey, I love Miguel Ferrer but you just I just never really quite bought that even though he saved his life, that he's like indebted to him. Yeah. There's
3: moments where I'm like, I could see him just like leaving, you know, because he feels too much of his own man. And there's that scene towards the end. I think it's in the fourth chapter it's one of my favorite scenes, actually, because it's kind of one of the rare moments where you actually get with Lloyd later on in the miniseries because it kind of vanishes a little bit. But um, yeah, and it's yeah. just like wanting to leave us. Yeah, we're like, hey, a lot of us are going to like Mexico or Latin, you know, I think Latin America or something like that, or South America. You want to come? And he's like, I can't. You know, this guy, you know, he, he, he believed in me and whatever. And like, that's a great yeah. scene, but it also, I, I think you're right, Mac, in the sense that like, again, that's a lot of showing and telling it too, where it's like we don't really mm-hmm. get to see that much because like throughout most of it he's pretty much on the fence, but I think what I like about Miguel's, Miguel's like performance of it is that it's that, well, you know, I was in a rock and a hard place. I made my decision. And I'm going to live with it. And yeah. Where mm-hmm. I don't think Lloyd in this one is really doing that. I think he's, le- it's kind of what you're saying right Lloyd. It's like, he is like, it's almost like a dog chasing cars. It's just like, Oh, okay. I'll go this way. Like it's in that. Yes. Dog chasing cars
2: is a great way to put it. And I think mm-hmm. that's like a great, that, that's a good teaser for later episodes where I think my thoughts on on Lloyd sort of evolve even more. And the whole concept, because like Miguel Ferrer was sort of this this portrait of like untapped potential, right? Like mm-hmm. that's why Flag chose him is because he knew that this guy could get shit done. And whereas I think the fabric of that whole narrative is different here. And I'm going to hold my tongue, yeah. tongue for now. But yeah. But anyways, um Jen, what did you think about? Uh, Lloyd Henry is played by Nat Wolf.
4: <laughs> well, this was the first time I'd ever heard of or seen Nat Wolf. So I did, had no idea what to expect. And I really was not feeling it until until the scene with Flag. And the moment that he won me over was when Flag was asking him if he ate. Trask's leg and he said that couldn't have been me that must have been somebody mm-hmm. else and just trying to play it off and like and, and then he and flag kept pressing him and he just started crying and I did I did really start to kind of like him I think I was just really taken like caught off guard by how different it was and yeah. as we're talking about like one of my big problems with it he's one of the only characters in this episode that's really allowed to make the character his own and mm. like love or hate like it's it is interesting it's a choice it is yeah and i, I don't I know mean, if i'm i know and that's know.
2: Uh, that's what i love but that, about but it uh, it's like but he, like yeah. he, he's basically channeling like riffraff, like he's channeling Franco yeah. and Spring Breakers, which I I <laughs> did not expect that at all, yeah. and so and I didn't see any of the promo images because I've seen some of the promo images and I do not like them because I just uh, I feel like they his almost Vegas
0: promo is so crazy. Like I mean, them. yeah, it yeah but it's like so but, not like. But see,
2: <laughs> seeing it in yeah, action, no. seeing it in action, I like became very charmed by it because it's such a bold direction to take it. And I actually think he he does it quite well, like the actor. And he was like the one I was most concerned about. I remember when the acting- You were, yeah. Yeah, when Mm -hmm. the cast was dropped because I just love that character. And so I'm glad he just swung for the fences. And, And let me just say like- in terms of characters i love and the actors swinging for the fences with their portrayals this is one of the better ones uh i cuz i can always appreciate the boldness but i don't always love every bold choice so but that's for <laughs> a later episode um let's talk about who else is a big i mean we we get introduced to ray bretner we get introduced to nick andros but there's not really much to say there, there we're really still isn't. getting to know them um i mean we can talk about
3: the 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 dark man himself
2: yeah, what, what do you guys think about this first real glimpse we get of Alexander Skarsgård? So,
3: here's the thing, you know, you mentioned Mac before. You can't play Jamie Sheridan, I and mean, I think that's really hard to avoid, you know, um, yeah. because even McConaughey's performance as him kind of tries to play a little bit that play a little bit of that Jamie Sheridanism, the, that z-
0: shit kicker kind yeah. of so, thing. So,
3: the thing I do like. Here are my pros. I think that the pros of Skarsgård so far is that he does have very wolf-like features. Like I do think that like he has that menacing like when it, when a wolf comes up to g- attack you, it doesn't really start growling until it it, it kind of stares at you and it like lingers and and, and it comes closer and comes close comes closer. And I feel like he's kind of channeling that energy because obviously that's his um, you know, that's his uh I don't know, I guess his form that he's choosing mm-hmm. in here. So I like that. I think he pulls his punches a little bit because I think that he could be a little more menacing, you know, like he does this sort of playful nature that isn't even really playful. It's like, it's like if, you know, at one point he's like, baby real baby, which reminded me of like Al Pacino at heat, but it reminds me of like if Al Pacino had taken like Valium instead of cocaine and heat. So (laughs) it doesn't, that does, it's just, it's just weird sort of like mix that I'm like, I kind of just want a little more menace. Just give me a little more menace. I want to be more scared. I want to be scared of you.
0: Like, yeah, See, like that line, I actually really love that line. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is that again, I don't, you don't need to be scary with Lloyd. You're trying to seduce Lloyd. Like yeah. he is, he's Lucifer here. He's the most like beautiful angel. Like people want to go with, he, there's a reason why people are going to Vegas. He's not scaring them all with wolves, you know, like <laughs> he's seducing them essentially, you know. And so, like, I, I like that he's just like, too cool for school in this scene and, and and even the dialogue seems like ridiculous but it's like the whole like flag two g's you know like, <laughs> it's just <Yeah>. just like <laughs> he's just like badass i like the f- i like and that i, I do like and, that. and I, that. I, I i do feel like you know obviously i you know i don't know i haven't seen the rest of the episodes but like i feel right now i like where he's going with it but the problem the problem is is like we've only seen him in the dreams briefly and in this, in the moments where he's supposed to be scary, or and or scare the bolder people, that uh, you know, we don't have like the the scary scarecrow face and stuff like that. You know, what I mean, we <laughs> haven't seen that yet, and like or anything like that. And I just don't think, uh, in, in in what you were saying, Mike, I don't think that he's menacing like that. I don't think he's a presence to be scared of in these yeah. dreams yet. And I yeah. I, I, I want to, I'm really hoping that they do something like that to some extent, because. He is so good looking. I mean, if I saw him, you know, standing out in the desert, I wouldn't necessarily be, like, scared of this person. I'd be like, hey, what's up, dude? Like, oh, you're in Vegas? Cool. Like... Sign me up.
4: Uh,
2: Sign yeah, me up. I'm, I'm, I'm no, that's, good, I, that's, that's fair.
0: I'm playing some blackjack. It would yeah. be funny
2: yeah. if if we saw Lloyd's dream where Flag was, but he was doing the same thing where he's like trying to scare him, and he's like sending wolves out for him, and then Lloyd's like, <laughs> "This is this is awesome."
0: <laughs> yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd's, like, he he Lloyd's like like running. Yeah. He's like running back and forth he's with, like the like right, with the wolves. Like running down, down
2: on all fours. Yeah, so
3: they'd be like little Nicky or something like that. You know. Oh, I'm like, oh, also just
2: laughing and thinking about like if Mother Abigail visit him, and she's like, "You come see me," hemming for home in Boulder, and he's like, "Fuck off, bitch." Sure. That's, i want that though like that would be so starts, funny like to me. twirling his like necklace <laughs> yeah. around yeah
0: or even just even like give me give me like when randall shows up to lloyd like there's like corn or something like like corn husk or something in the yeah. cell and there's some mention of like you know oh like are you, are you having dreams and and then if he's just like no like like he's like denying that he's seeing the good stuff you know what i mean because he yeah. doesn't believe that he belongs there what I, I don't know like just so we see that they are being reached out to that they're not just like destined to be bad like cuz i don't like that like you're saying randall i think there needs to be a choice
2: yeah and um, i i do think i will say um as we keep discussing i feel like this question is engaged with very directly and so in a good way and so i think that may be why i'm giving a little bit more latitude here because i I think that we do see this as it unfolds so i'd say like hold on to those criticisms and then um yeah we'll keep discussing them because this is that i think those are the questions i'm going to be and we're all going to be discussing the rest of this entire thing so um yeah i think it'll be great um
0: i feel I, like they developed joe Fairly well so yeah. far. I mean, I
3: feel like they developed him better than Amber Heard, and he has no dialogue.
4: <laughs> right. Well,
3: well that, is, was, that was the thing with, like, Amber Heard. It's like, you know, you're watching this character roaming around. She's, you know, you're supposed to have some sort of effect to, like, what she's making and the choices she's doing. Like, at the end there, I was almost joking, like, to myself, like, you know – What's you know? Obviously, there's the the pull of her pulling out the Ouija board because we know that. But like the viewer, you, you, if she had pulled out like SNL's Trivial Pursuit that, <laughs> p- pursuit that's like right next to it, <laughs> like I don't think anyone would have bat an eye. They'd probably have just been like, "Oh yeah, there's a character she's bored because we right. don't know her." Like that's the thing. why right. like, so I wrote, why are I wrote we t- <laughs> Ouija origin of Nadine? Nadine, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. I feel like she all they needed to do was like when she's like, "Hey, can you take Joe?" And he's like, yeah, sure. And he takes Joe, have the door closed, and just have flag standing behind it. Like, just uh-huh. give us a little something so that because, like, like you said, Randall, it's not very clear with the stone because they didn't. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're too close to it to see maybe to see if that was effective enough in the first episode with Harold that people immediately ad- identify right. that stone. What you know what I mean in the next episode, but for me it, it it wasn't enough. And like there was a moment where she's kind of staring off into the woods. And I would have liked to see like the flip side of that later on mm-hmm. in the episode, like maybe she was talking to Flag and he entered and then Larry interrupted them. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like these like waking dreams, um, these waking mm. nightmares
2: or whatever. Um Nadine to yeah. me is just yeah. is is the hardest character to really like like process in a lot of ways, and so I, and that's why I really wish we had a stronger actor in the role. You know, I, yeah, and no shade to Amber her necessarily, but like I think she's good in the right roles, but I, I just really think she's wrong here, and and we can keep talking about that because um, she's foregrounded more later, as you you can imagine. um So it's there's more to discuss there. So yeah, do we want to talk more about Nadine now, or should we save it? I think we save I, it. I don't, She's, Sorry, she's nope. barely in the
0: episode.
4: Yeah, <laughs> right. She's not doing anything interesting. I do yeah. want to say about Flag though is that I feel like it's almost like like the way that Lloyd has an opportunity to bring the actor's personality into the character. I wish they were doing more with Flag because Alexander Skarsgard is very menacing and very charismatic and very like engrossing, but not necessarily in the most playful way and I think they're trying to force that like the singing thing did not work for me at all because I don't think he's the he didn't feel like he was comfortable singing yeah and there were things that he was saying that just didn't feel like something he would say. Like, the words felt weird in his mouth, you mm-hmm. know? And I just wish they would let him, like, bring a little of the Eric and the the dude from Monterey and, like, yes. let him oh be God. scary See in that. the way that he is really good at being scary. On the other hand, I did write in my notes, and I may have actually texted Mike this, he is so hot that I might die. <laughs> 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 it, I was... Like, I wrote when he said you're a beautiful fellow. I write, you are goddamn right. And please take me to prom in my notes. Cause, take me oh me to my prom.
1: god.
0: But so, so I agree. I agree that he's menacing and can be mm-hmm. menacing. But I guess that was my problem when they cast him. I was just like, is he going to be a villain in everything? And he's going to be the same person in everything. So the fact that he was doing these things, as even at, if they came off uncomfortable or maybe not so much his wheelhouse, I still kind of enjoyed it because I was like. Okay, at least you're not just resting on your laurels and being because he could easily just play this like Eric. Oh yeah, from True yeah. Blood.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and but I could, could easily want do that.
0: But I'm like, but I'm like, like don't do don't do that. Like, you've got to do something else. Wait, with is Eric just is, gonna be the Is same... Eric
2: from Pretty little, Big Little Lies? True yeah. Blood. Yeah. Oh okay. Hot vampire. I've Eric not Northman. seen that show. And Big I've Little Blood. Seen... Like Big I would, like honestly, if lies. he was
0: playing it more like Big Little Big Little Lies, uh, that's what I want. You know, like that would be that yeah. would make more sense yeah. because he is very like charming and sh- you know like you 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 want to be with him, but then all of a sudden he turns it on a dime. You know, like that first yeah. scene
3: when you see him snap and it's in the bedroom and Nicole Kidman he snaps. Like that's I want that. Like when I saw that and they had announced that she was, you know, that he was going to be in the, you know, his, the miniseries, his flag. I was like, okay, great. Now I understand why. Like, I see it, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the exception of the fact that he's been villains before. I mean, for fuck's sake, he went after James Marsden and, you know, in Straw Dogs. it's where our sound bite comes from. But, like... <laughs> I I do, I do want w- that. I want that subtle menace. And that's I what I want. Just yeah. want. Turn it I up wish, a little bit more.
2: I wish they just made him a vampire to, like, just capitalize <laughs> on the be- True Blood thing. Like, <laughs> oh, just suddenly, God. Flag's also a vampire.
4: <laughs> right. He just pulls out a bottle of True Blood, drinks it, and says, oh, looks good, right, Lloyd? But you can't well, have it.
3: Look, and, you know, the HBO's bringing back True Blood. Maybe we'll get to a point where there's so much content and so little commercials that you're just going to throw ads inside the shows. So, like, you know, a co-star or a star that's in another program will just start promoting that other show in the show. So that could have worked, you know? Yeah, it's, just like, it's the last man standing. Yeah. Do they start talking about, like, Picard? Like, when yeah. are we <laughs> going to see the second season? Like, you know? Like, there's like, an ad, like like an advertisement in, like, the sewer. There's, like, a, a wrinkled poster that's, like, you know, and, and then, like, you know, Larry's, past. like, the, the rat crawls out of, like or or the rat or, crawls or, out of uh, Larry's mother's yeah.
0: mouth and, like, and turns to the camera and says, like, you Picard? think this is crazy? Like, check out Discovery on Yeah. <laughs>
2: Like I'm just access. thinking like, well, if when he gets Lloyd out of prison, he's like, what do you want to do after we eat, Lloyd? He goes, well, I gotta finish the last episode of Picard. Yeah.
3: <laughs> on CBS All Access.
2: On CBS All Access. Yeah. I'm uh, real
0: hungry, but I gotta finish this. Up. Yeah. Um uh, All
2: right. I think we're I think we're ready to move on to our next section, a uh, little section we call nightmares and Dreamscapes. If you think your dreams are disturbing. <laughs> Imagine the Nightmares of Stephen King. What are you, some sort of a horror
1: movie guy? No, Clyde, I'm a literary guy.
2: So in Nightmares and Dreamscapes, we talk about things we loved, things we hated, equal ends of the spectrum, nightmares and dreamscapes. Uh, Does anybody want to kick off with with a good thing, a dreamscape, something that they thought was a really effective moment in this episode that they haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Hmm.
4: I will. Go for it. My favorite moment in the episode was um the scene between Harold and Larry yeah. at the end and I uh, like I almost started crying on rewatching it and that's because of Harold and ONT just really catching the nuances of that conversation because like it's like there's the moment where he's got that scary smile and then it's like the gifts kind of he's taken aback with that and it's just a really genuine moment where he almost can't decide if he's gonna be scared or angry or sad and then he just leans into sad
3: yeah he like he's like or like like he almost like he does a laugh that i noticed this time Uh that's really eerie yeah
4: Um, and it just it's really and like you could just see how sad he is that Franny did not choose him which I think is underneath a lot of the like really hateful vitriol that he has but I think that's an important part of his character too is that he's just really sad he's a and teenager we man. Saw it here yeah right yeah. yeah and combined like on the heels of like seeing the last thing we saw of him where he's talking about killing both of them I thought it was just a really great moment and it made me like Larry's character a lot too and I was like maybe maybe if they spent more time together like they could bond a little and maybe yeah. Larry could be like a big brother I feel like you know.
0: Yeah, I feel like you kind of get that in the book too. Like mm-hmm. cuz he doesn't he does follow the signs, right? Yeah, yes, doesn't yeah. he follow Yeah, that brings him all... the paydays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then
2: yeah, and then he's like he's like kind of disappointed when he or he's not yeah. really but it's just like he when he meets uh Harold, it's like he's surprised but then Harold is so not like personality-wise what he expected. And uh, I do, I I agree. I love that scene. And I'm glad they kept it in because uh, Mm -hmm. even though I I struggled with it a little bit because Larry starts talking about following Harold's signs before we ever see that he was following this. I don't know. I remember like the way that it was, that was structured felt jarring to me because he doesn't actually see one of Harold's signs until like the end of the episode. And so, um, or we at least see that happen, but, uh, but yeah, but I love that scene there. And the only thing that drove me crazy about it, and I texted Mike about this um, is that we never see what the present is that he gives him. Mm -hmm.
4: Right. I know. I was wondering about that. Well,
2: it's, it's,
0: it's dynamite. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well it did make it made me wonder if it was the if it like if they had been exploring the chocolate payday thing and yeah. just cut those scenes and then because it it is just kind of a jarring moment because you're like he's just giving them a bag of something like what is he giving them? Right. like we have no like i i don't know, even if it was just more chocolate it's full of cocaine <laughs> oh, yeah. here's some of the I drugs got, like, i got smuggled drugs. out of new york yeah no or maybe it's like
3: just a bag of like stuff magazine or something like that, you know, or like Maxim <laughs> magazines. Worn. Like, hey, I picked up some <laughs> magazines <laughs> on the way out, you know, that's there's a you know, newsstand. Um,
2: yeah, I, I think I have that's one, a really good dream. one, yeah, go forth, yeah.
3: So, I thought the shots of the fire falling uh, <sighs> down in the, yes. the jail cell were really mm-hmm. beautiful. I, I thought had that they were just too, yeah. great yeah. direction yeah. there and really captures the 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 sort of majesty that comes from, um, the macabre sometimes, you know, like the, the, break, the beauty and the breakdown to uh, to quote, um, what is it, Fru-Fru from that Garden State song? Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> Garden State. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, so I like that. I, I thought that, that, that shot was just uh, was great. Um, and there were a few other shots, but I, I'd also be remiss not to mention some needle drops because I think this is an area to, ne- to, to do the needle drops. And since we're in the prison, hey, why not? I like when, uh, when Randall's boy Lloyd is walking to James Gang. It's fun mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You know? you know good good swagger
2: lots of needle drops here and i'm gonna share um one of my nightmares which was um the beach house song that played when they leave new york just felt a little bit i don't know it didn't really work i love beach house but i didn't see the connection to like this scene and it just felt a little bit like i don't know it didn't feel thematic like it didn't feel tonally appropriate to me. It struck me as like Josh Boone really loves that song and just wanted to find a place for it in there. But I remember same thing I did with Cigar Rose. I texted Mike when I was first watching it in all caps, is that fucking Beach House? Yeah. So. It
3: really does feel very like from Josh Boone's Spotify, you
0: know.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah,
3: yeah, uh, a, yeah, the the musical
0: choices are 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 not bizarre, but just like kind of like oh uh, okay. It
2: just right. seems a little weird. Mac, seems do you have weird. a nightmare or a dreamscape to share?
0: Uh, I have two. Bring them. Uh, I I really liked, even though it felt a little forced. I wish we had a little bit more time with uh, Larry and his mother. But I liked when she the way she passes, mm-hmm. uh, and then how he just turns off the light and kind of stands there in the door for a minute. It, it just a, it was just a nice little meditative moment that like I I bought. That like he was processing that and like yeah the, and and uh, I think the tube neck is super effective. Yeah. I think they're doing that so well. I'm so glad that we get to finally see that in like full fledged like in multiple episodes. Yeah, uh, and then um, for nightmare, I, I you know I I don't I know they're trying to do different things, but that Lincoln Tunnel sequence is so good. Why do the sewer the sewer was so it was like it felt to me it was like we already run out of money we're just going to do this like sewer thing that like honestly didn't wasn't scary. I thought the seeing the mother was bizarre and like that was like off-putting. But it it just the claustrophobic just I don't know. I just felt like it was a missed opportunity. And when he gets out, are we really supposed to buy that you can get from the, the sewers mm-hmm. in New York? All right. the way out like like and and that his uh I know that he had his phone. Is there can you get the
2: Wi-Fi and the sewers well, and the, right. I, let's remember I can barely that,
0: get it like on the street here in front of my house like I, I don't let's know, remember I,
2: that I, let's remember that Harold said that the internet was gone in the first yeah. episode mm. which is so I, I I mean I guess maybe without Wi-Fi you can still access like maps like on your mm-hmm. phone I mean I'm, what I did yeah. you sell your
3: dad not one that's like telling you where to go
0: right <laughs> underground. Like,
2: right so that was not
3: i actually didn't mind the sewer so much my problem was that you know look where's my boy pennywise like (laughs) i said the same thing mike
2: i said will we see pennywise
4: yeah yeah oh oh my god there's (laughs) shawshank too yeah
2: yeah yeah Yeah. little king's dominion i guess you could say there uh yeah i i'm I'm actually gonna share more about the the tunnel in cemetery because i have i i have a little counterpoint to your thoughts but um But yeah, um, I have also a dreamscape that I want to share, which is the plagiarism. Actually, (laughs) there is a moment where I think it's confirmed subtly that Larry did steal the song from Wayne Stuckey, which is when he when he's outside his house in the rain with the gun and he's like passing out. And Larry says, basically he's like, do you want me to, you know, let me get you something or help you. And he says, it's the least I can do. Yeah. Mm. When I heard that line, I said, well, well, why else would you say that? You know, I think yeah. in this yeah. moment, now that he sees how dark everything is, it's like he's and he sees that this guy's about to die. I think that was his way of saying, yes, I did steal this from you. So I thought yeah. that was actually a really interesting little uh, little tidbit. Though felt like
0: that's... it didn't need it. I yeah. think it well, did, that's... Mac. <laughs> but I feel like I mean, you have like, I don't know. I feel like that's just. Like historically, white people have always stolen music from, you know, like black culture, like, you know, mm. and that's like a huge thing, Sorry, like Led Zeppelin and all that stuff. And so you're doing that, like you're flipping it here and like saying like he stole it from this like loser <laughs> Wayne. <Right. Drug> <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I was like, you don't need to do this. I was like, let him stand on his own like music and, you know, uh, like otherwise he's just, he why why doesn't he always just feel like a fake? Like why, why does he care that any of his stuff's like on the streets of New York and my mother would be proud of me. Yeah. Well, no, because you stole the song. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just kind of, I felt like it was kind of detracted from the character. But. Yeah. and that's
4: my nightmare is that nobody's gonna fucking steal that hook because it is a terrible hook (laughs) and
1: it's (laughs)
4: just drives me insane yeah I know this is a personal vendetta I have against (laughs) that but it's just like that is not a musical sentence and it just really like Stephen King is writes a lot of fantastic things I don't know if I want him writing songs but (laughs) but the uh, the other nightmare that I had was when they get into the sewer like there are the three people chasing them and what they're like leisurely crawling down the Ladder, Mm -hmm. and like they're not invisible Mm -hmm. because they're like under the street, and it just drove me insane.
2: Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, that could be a good pivot into the cemetery, unless anybody has anything else they want to share in this section.
3: I think I'm good. Okay, I've covered most of the nightmares and dreamscapes for
2: me. Let's hop over to the cemetery.
1: What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back it may look like that person but it ain't that person because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all
2: here in the cemetery we talk about the things that spooked us out and uh, it appears not all of us are in agreement but I will say the sewer scene I agree with everything you guys said and I and I, I think that by losing the tunnel, you're losing a huge, huge, huge motivator in, um, Uh, Rita's ultimate fate, but also Mm -hmm. that scene just serves to offer so much context, like the the idea of all these people rushing to leave New York, being trapped there like the one, like I always make fun of the idea of people dying like in the middle of places it actually makes sense to me that people would die in their cars because they're literally trying to get out, although it is implied in the book that many of them were gunned down by officers, by military who wouldn't let them leave, and so all of that, like even just the military aspect, all of that offers so much context about like what actually happened in this pandemic like the real the real darkness that was happening um in the grander scale and also Which it's king just... is
3: what that's like one of the best muscles that king flexes
2: yeah yeah, yeah. And, and just, just like and and just the general um, like, the, t- the the tunnel itself, it's just so creepy. I mean, you're literally walking through this pitch black tunnel, surrounded by dead bodies in cars. They're all staring at you. And also, it's, like, so long. And it's, I don't know, it's just such an inspired scene in the book. And it also, I think, works for the most part in the 94 miniseries. And so, uh, so losing it, which I imagine was a budget thing, um, because... It's clearly not an easy thing to film, and uh, and the sewer obviously is probably a super easy thing to film uh, because yeah. that just that's probably a set that was you know built for some other movie, and uh, and I, the thing is I don't think it works like from a story perspective, but the scenes when Larry's by himself and the rats are everywhere and it the accumulation of the rats and the accumulation of the birds and everything or the bats when he's leaving, um combined with the rising water and the scene of the body floating by that becomes his mom and the rat crawls out of its mouth. I think that's like all of that stuff to me mostly worked. I thought it was yeah. it was grotesque. Yeah I, yeah, I thought it was grotesque. I thought it was um, nasty and and just the idea of being surrounded by that many and you know it's 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 new york so yeah the rats are everywhere and the bats are everywhere and i wish we saw a gator honestly but um
0: <laughs> rats and the bats
2: yeah but it's although it's funny um uh it's a they actually there's a few different lines throughout the series about how the the rats survived this apocalypse in the book the rats actually all died uh which mm-hmm. i was something i did not remember but i noticed on on this rewatch interesting i but yeah, yeah yeah so um uh, so I thought that was neat. So yeah, for me, I actually think this uh, that aspects of the of the sewer worked. Um, I just think that they were sort of hamstrung because it just doesn't have the grander impact that the tunnel yeah. has so.
4: Yeah, it relates to one of my favorite lines in the entire book is when they're talking about Larry later on, they're saying he's come out the other side. Mm. Like he's gone through this thing. And that's a line that has stuck with me. And I just like bring it back up in like different parts of my life. And it's been like a real motivator and kind of way that I've understood things. And I think you lose that when you don't have the tunnel and they don't go through it together. Like Mm -hmm. she rescues him and and you know that said once I got over the fact that it wasn't the tunnel I do think that the scene where he's in the water was very effective and it yeah. did scare yep. me a lot but the thing that the my biggest symmetry one was when um they sneeze and shoots the woman in the head. That was really, really oh, yeah. Shocking yeah, that was really effective. And, oh, it's like, Oh yeah. gosh, that poor woman. And she reminded me of the, the waitress in Twilight in Shit's Creek. So I was looking at her and I was like, Oh, it's Twilight And then she just like, her blood is all over the guy's face. So yeah, we've had yeah, a couple of listeners
2: favorite. ask us, um, like, how graphic is this? I, can I watch it with my son? And I'm like, it's actually a pretty hard R. Like, from, it is. Yeah. Yeah. From, it is. from all aspects of it. Um, although, I, a buddy of mine. Is your son 17? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this previously, but uh, I think in the last episode and over text, I know, but like the. Uh, I, a buddy of mine watched it um, over the weekend and he said uh he's like why do they say fuck so much he's like, he's like it it's just so feels ridiculous. like cbs they can. i know <laughs> if he says it feels like cbs like flexing its muscle there which uh we called it rob zombies um <laughs> the stand, <episode>. rob <laughs> zombies the stand. Um, so um any other things that spooked you out i mean not, not particularly the scariest episode but what do you got mike
3: i have i mean i, I th- like you were saying like the, the body floating and like coming to it's kind of hilarious just really chilling to me i like i just it reminds me of like kind of the same scares that king utilizes in the in the shining where it's like this decrepit corpse that you're in a close environment with like Mm. there's something that really kind of creeps me out there but i also really like the some of the apocalyptic scenes that we do get are really nice like you know like the dead horse and like the street Mm -hmm. is pretty that's a nice touch uh i like the the crow pulling the eye out even though the the effects are not great but it's still, you know, it's something. I, I appreciate the effort. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the some of the shots of just, like, the abandoned, um, you know, but like the even the houses when you're back in Boulder, when they're walking through, and you see, like, the camp that they set up, you really are doing a little bit more table setting for the actual apocalypse in ways that I didn't really capture the first time around. Like, when I watched it again, I was like, yeah, they do a pretty good job in showing... A lot of stuff like, you know, this and I think a lot of, and I thought a lot about it. I was like, why did it hit me so hard in the 90s versus now? And I think because we've seen so much more post-apocalyptic settings in in, in pop culture, like mm-hmm. we had like fucking almost 10 seasons or whatever many seasons we have of The Walking Dead, which is which has just shown so many, you know, post-apocalyptic worlds and landscapes and yeah. whatnot. So yeah. I think there is a sort of immunity that we've built up towards it. Um, especially since you're thinking about the stand coming out in 94 that was pre like zombie hitting mainstream again yeah yeah and now it is and so like mm-hmm. you really are competing with that and so i think with the stuff they do here you know nothing that is going to be in the greatest hits of post-apocalyptic scenery but there's some good stuff that i thought that for a tv budget were pretty it was pretty exceptional yeah some
0: stuff. cool yeah like the, I, I like the scene where rita and him are looking out at the buildings and the on fire and stuff like that i think that that looks pretty cool
2: um i don't
0: know i'm trying to th- i was trying to think of scary stuff amber heard's had...
2: performance perhaps oh! jo- yep. I would say joe 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 f-
0: immediately frightened of harold mm-hmm. for, That's I mean, he just kind of like inherently knows or something i thought that was, yeah. I thought that was interesting
4: yeah, and that part, like, that was the part that really got me in the scene is Harold saw that and was like, okay, this person is going to turn away from me and mm-hmm. he's probably going to turn Larry away, too. So, yeah, it was just a tiny little nuance that I thought was really Yeah, yeah really I agree great. there.
2: Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I think it's time for us to move on to our next section, a little stroll around King's Dominion.
1: There's another world out there. I know
2: there is. Does anybody have any here?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I I, s- I, I I glued my eyes to try to see if there was any like Easter egg stuff. Jen, did you see those? I, cause I, I, I did, I, yeah. Oh,
4: wow, okay. I found Okay, I found one direct one and a couple that were kind of like reminding me of. Okay. So the one direct one was on the back of the corrections, his jumpsuit. It's Carmody County Corrections, which is Mrs. Carmody. Oh, my miss. God. Oh, wow. I, did, I, I
0: did not catch that. That yeah, is a good, good catch. That is a good one. That Thanks. is a really good one.
4: And they're also living in a, I said it was a grocery store because I was just assuming it was The Mist at the very beginning. But I guess it is a sporting goods store. So that was a little misty. But also the other one, (laughs) the other one that caught me was when I was watching Lloyd, I think because we just read The Green Mile, Mm -hmm. like I was thinking he felt like a, a mix of. Percy and um wild bill more so the actors playing him and so the moment where the guard takes the gross stuff and throws it at him is like a reversal of all the gross shit that he spits out at them so I was like yeah got him yeah he does
2: have a lot of wild bill like Sam Rockwell energy that's actually that's actually a comparison that I haven't that I I think like was in the back of my mind but I haven't been able to pin down um but there's
4: that pretty like effeminate Doug what's his name
2: Oh yeah, the Doug yeah, Hutchinson, no yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac, did you catch any? You're usually pretty good at this.
0: Yeah, you know, I I was really my eyes were peeled, uh, and I I had trouble. I think the only thing that I noticed was that there was a relation to like Nick Andros might be from the Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will see as the episodes continue if that is true. I, uh no, I really I was really looking and I thought I figured cuz y'all were like rewatching the episode and stuff and I thought oh, maybe maybe it I would have been worth a rewatch just because, you know, sometimes when you're taking notes, you're not catching everything. Because I was like I didn't
3: I just didn't say anything. Yeah, there's one looking. more. Oh, what's that up, I, Mike? That I, so, it's a stretch, but uh, at one point, Flag uh, talks about a pig farm in Secaucus, New York. Uh, and mm-hmm. Carrie with the pig farm. I don't know. It's obviously not Maine. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, that's, that's there's true. some sort of connection there, I guess. No.
1: That's it fun. A point um, to say it. I think it's intentional.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, that's cool. Um, yeah, I think it's time for us to move on to our final thoughts.
1: Dad, can we go now? You ready? Yeah, we've been ready for an hour. <laughs>
2: okay, I'll be right there
1: that a half hour ago yeah my dad's weird he gets like that when
2: he's writing welcome to final thoughts this is where <laughs> we share our final thoughts about the episode um and we share some bright red pennywise clown noses as well as our who we would choose to be our episode mvp uh jen why don't you kick us off uh how many bright red pennywise clown noses would you give episode two of cbs all access the stand
4: Mm, I'm going to give this one two and a half bright red Pennywise cloud noses. There were some really bright spots, but a lot of it just really didn't work for me for a lot of the reasons that I've talked about. I just feel like it was trying too hard to jam a bunch of stuff into one hour. But there were some things that I really liked. And my MVP is is Owen Teague like that. <laughs> that scene with Larry, like I, I made kind of be developing a thing for him or something but like <laughs> that scene it just really it really got me and I think it brought out a lot of uh, Giovanna Depo's character as well in a way that his conversation with Stu in the car felt really stilted this one felt really genuine and I wanted more of that so yeah. nice uh
2: Mike how about you knowing
3: that we've seen six episodes I can't spoil too much but I do feel like this is the episode to really kind of hammer down the effects of Armageddon or the apocalypse and whatnot. Um, so it is kind of di- disappointing in seeing like the large scale effects be so minimized in a way here, you know, like they're not, when I, when I watch the 1994 mini series, we kind of give it a little bit of a handicap to say, well, it was the early nineties. They had smaller budgets, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and we get like, I, you know, I know I just praised like, like all the, some of the shots that I had, you know, that they discussed in the post-apocalyptic uh, settings and stuff but uh, you know you still wanted more and like especially in 2020 c- cinematic television because this really is a limited series so you get a little bit more than just your regular episode by episode if this was just a season by season show i do wish that we got a little bit more of an epic quality to mm-hmm. it. um mm-hmm. and in addition to a lot of the gripes that i have with the nuances or the lack of nuances for you know larry um and obviously, the performance and, you know, the the rush, rush pacing a little bit where we're starting to see the structure and format break away at the seams. I'm going to give this a two and a half also. Um, I think that on second watch, I definitely liked it more because I was like at a one nose rating mm-hmm. on the first time I watched it because I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this is all falling apart. This is I just watched the first <laughs> episode. I thought it was so tight. Now we're seeing what's happening. But a second watch, I appreciate it a little bit more. So, um, and my MVP is going to go to uh, Jovan. I think he's uh, mm-hmm. great as Larry. So, um, mm-hmm. going to give it to him.
1: Yeah.
2: Cool. Mac, bring it.
3: Yeah, I'm going to give this one to two
0: bright red Pennywise clown noses because, unlike the first episode, I just I didn't feel really I didn't really feel much of anything the entire episode. I think the MVP's Jovan because I. If solely for, even though I didn't like the sewer sequence, when he gets out of that sewer, man, he sells that. Yep. Yeah. That's that's so so good. That just like how frightened he actually is. So you, you, and I, and I really enjoyed that. And then again, like I was saying, some of the more meditative moments that he gets to breathe a little bit with no dialogue with that that scene with his mother. I I I was like I was on board. And Larry's like one of my favorite characters of the book, so I was really excited that you have someone with some range, like really tackling this and giving it the character it's due. Um, but yeah, the rest of the episode, though, you know, I enjoyed Lloyd, you know, whatever. But, but I, <laughs> I just, I was just kind of bored. And the, the pro, I think the problem is, is I understand they want to make it different and make it its own thing. So they don't want to do a lot of stuff that's in the original uh, miniseries. But the problem with that is a lot of that stuff in the original miniseries is, is in the book. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like that, like changing things just to change it and having sequences and, and stuff in there that you don't really need, like that scene with Nadine and Franny and stuff like that. Like I'm like, that's more time we could have spent with Rita and mm. Larry and developing that and making us care about them more. Like we don't need to hop around so much. Uh, I I've, Even though you hop around a lot in the first episode, I didn't mind that because you're trying to establish something. You know, you have to establish a lot of things in that first episode, like here's kind of what you're going to watch over the next, whatever. This is the time to kind of like scale back. And I just felt like they, if anything, they did more too much, you know? Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's going to be two bright red Pennywise clown noses and maybe, uh, some rats in there.
2: <laughs> Ooh, scurrying around. Um, I'm also going to give it two and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. I, 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 I liked a lot of it. I especially liked it more in the second watch like Mike. It I think some I, I can see more of like what the writers were trying to do symmetry wise, organizationally, structurally, but um l- few too many characters, a bit too cluttered, and I just think that there is sort of a fundamental misunderstanding of the character of Rita. And I know that makes me sound um, you know, perhaps arrogant or condescending. I just like I really think they misunderstood what that character is supposed to bring to the story. Um, And the fact that they sort of lean into making the suicide more explicit to me is also just, I don't know why they did that. They didn't need to do that. She could have just, it could have been ambiguous and that allows Larry to struggle more to, to like reckon more with what he did Um, or not what he did, but like, you know, maybe what he didn't do. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of interesting Things that I think were lost by bringing Rita in, even though I was really excited when I heard that that storyline was going to be there. So, that to me is the big disappointment of the episode. But, a lot of stuff I liked. I think the sewer scene mostly works, even though I, I you know, it, it's, it's just... Ultimately, going to be not as good as the tunnel, but you know they really do try to bring the horror in there in that scene in ways that I think are mostly pretty effective. And I gotta say, I love the Lloyd scenes. Uh, he's my MVP. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. <laughs> I think he's he's got a Gonzo take on the character that's is surprising, uh, and uh, it's got a lot of electricity behind it. And I'm a big fan of that. Um, but it's also an archetype I love. I love I love henchmen. Um, But I also love like really um, I like people who are used, you know, and I like uh, Mm -hmm. pathetic characters. I think I I see them. I see a little bit of myself in them. And so um, I that was a joke. I don't really think I'm pathetic, (laughs) but uh, but I do love I do love Lloyd. So, um, yeah, he's my MVP for this episode.
3: Randall's going to like jump in the shower right now, like uh, in the scene in Ace Ventura when it's just like. (laughs) cold shower and just be like
2: no (laughs) um Um, this was fun good times episode two um thanks y'all for listening we're gonna be back with episode three next week we hope you guys have a happy holiday um and uh wait what's up mike
3: well i gotta say episode three is called blank pages now Mm. we mentioned weezer before Uh, oh no it's simple pages Never mind Sorry
2: <laughs> This whole blank well, oh, pages tangent. are simple Oh wow I know oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Are, we, are we
0: gonna have uh, Some Weezer play us out here
2: I, I hope so <laughs> I wish uh, cue, Please blue album Cue the yeah. Weezer As we do this Long days And, and Pleasant, pleasant
1: Nights. Nights I got some hot friends I got some hot friends I got some hot